now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. I really wish I had my hammer. Neil, before you're queen. I don't think so. Possible. It is to get help. What? Get help? No. Come on, you love it. I hate it. It's great. It works every time. It's humiliating. Do you have a better plan? No. We're doing it. We are not doing get help. Okay. Oh, classic. <sighs> Still hate it. It's humiliating. No, not for me. It's not. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks, episode 505. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with Scott Gardner. Hi. You, you know who he is. <laughs> you know who I am. And we are here. Uh, what? What? Yep. Yes. <laughs> we are here to talk about Thor, Ranger Rick, the sequel to Thor, the Dark Squirrel. <laughs> thought, I'd, thought, thought I'd link that to a, yeah, a... a <laughs> a, uh, wow, that was a, a raccoon. A raccoon-hosted magazine and a and a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, no, of course it's Thor Ragnarok, sequel to the Dark World. But I get they a all Ragnarok. knew. They, they knew that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. They I know it's a total. They should have totally done it on Halloween. It would have been a great Charlie Brown tie-in. <laughs> It was pretty close to Halloween, though. Yeah, it's close enough. Close enough. I'd how still... was your How was your Halloween, by the way? My the Halloween itself was pretty uneventful. I didn't do anything Halloweeny, but you, you know me. I get I I love Halloween. I was watching horror movies every ten seconds. Like basically, when I was doing anything, I'd have a horror movie sort of playing in the corner of my computer at almost all times, and I was. And I was, I had a goal of posting a horror movie on Facebook every day for the whole month. And I exceeded it probably by about 10 or 15 movies because I kept finding more and more movies. And so I'm like, screw it, I'm going to post two today. At first I started being like, I'll save this one up for tomorrow. And then I would have like four or five all bookmarked. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to keep putting them out and putting them out. And I love reposting all the old Two True Freaks Halloween specials because right. we've got some. I mean, the my two favorite of all times that you and I did were the uh, were of course the the Black River stories, and <laughs> uh, and uh, and it was funny. I can't remember where I must have been talking to Scott McGregor or something. He said, but like, trick or treating is is officially over in Black River now at eight eight o'clock at night or something like that. Oh wow! <laughs> and I mean, I'm and I'm wondering if that means it's 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 
gotten lame now or if it's gotten worse. Maybe trick-or-treating's done at 8 because they got to clear the kids off the street. It's hard to say. <laughs> right. It's been so long since I've been there. And my second favorite one is the one where we both talk about our ideal Halloweens. Yep. That that one's that one's always a lot of fun. And then the Vault of Startling... We've probably got like 10 of them for Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror by now almost. Now, is that the ideal Halloween one? Is that the one that we also talked about, like, stuff that scared us when we were kids? Like, No, that was when... Because that was a... Oh, I think it was... I can't remember the, the... All I remember is that one had artwork that had four, like... That was when we were doing... In the early days, like, a lot of our episode pictures were just pictures of, like, cards... Trading cards. Trading yeah. cards. And this one was like uh, four stickers, and one of them had yeah. the, the monster from this island earth, and it was called the uh, R-Faced Freak. Or no, right. that was that was Mr. Sardonicus was the R-Faced Freak. That was the ass head. <laughs> yeah, something like that. The ass head creature. And that's the one. And I and we had it, I think, when Trek Attacks was also a Halloween episode. Right. I think the first year we did two or three Halloween episodes, we got kind of, we got kind of into it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, anyway, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was gonna ask you how I liked it, how you liked it, but I went on Facebook and I guess I found out early. <laughs> well, we, we will we will talk it in great detail. So, how, how did you see it? You saw it. Uh, yes, now as we record this, yesterday meaning fr- the Friday it came out, correct? Yes, yes, and uh, I had to work that day, but we found a, an 11, like 11.15 showing of it, which was great because we found out it's only five buckaroonies before noon at the theater so right down the street. This is 11.15 a.m., okay. A.m., yeah. yep, so I, I watched it and then I went right in, I watched it, went to Five Guys, gorged on cheeseburgers and went into work and wanted to just take a nap. Because I was just exhausted, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just saw it in the in the in the theater down the street, which is an ideal theater because it's close by and it's loud. It's always got a really nice sound system. And what's funny though is the sound system was malfunctioning when we first got in there, and they were playing all the ads and stuff. But all the you know all those theater systems are like super surround sound systems. So everything they play through that is, you know, like 10-channel audio. So all we could hear was the right side of the the screen, or, you know, the right side of the theater, and you couldn't hear any vocals on any of the commercials, on any of the trailers or anything. You would hear some of the sound effects, and you would hear a little, like, a part of the music. You know, you'd hear, like, the drums... And maybe like a little guitar here or synthesizer doing something here. And everybody was all grumbling and a couple people went up front and then all of a sudden you could hear them turn on everything. And it was nice, <laughs> nice and loud. That, that Those theaters are like, if you're next to a theater that has, say if you're next to Star Wars and you're watching like, I don't know why, how these two would, would, would play next to each other, but you're watching, like, Sophie's Choice or something like that. <laughs> and you're, you're, all you're, they're going to be like, choose, choose which child gets to live, and you're going to hear, like, <laughs> coming through the wall. That's how they, they just crank choose it Choose Quick there. Vader's coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, 
So, so I, I love that. Th- and that theater always seems to be like on the edge of surviving. And it seems like it's always the same family and like their kids' friends that run it. So it's, it's always fun to go to. It's not as generic. It's still a generic cinemaplex, but it's not as generic. It's kind of like the, the run by the, the seat of its fingernails ones. And, and the kids are like, I don't know. We're barely pulling this together, but just turn it up loud. They'll like that. And, and the projections are always good, too. That's a big deal now, too. You go to some theaters and their digital projection is just kind of weak or crappy and it just it'll ruin everything yeah i went to the local theater took my took my son uh logan with me and we saw it uh yesterday evening so let's get into the particulars and uh, i don't know how you want to do this i I, ba- I thought we'd basically break it down by likes and dislikes and then overall opinion at the end what do you think okay does that work do you want to start with the likes or the dislikes let's start with the likes okay so what did you like I I mean I generally liked the whole movie. I I mean I, it was a very enjoyable movie to watch. Um like like we were discussing before the show. I sort of figured out I think with the first two Thor movies that they weren't going to do, you know, they were going to do the the standard Marvel. They'll do a little bit of the standard Marvel world building or putting in a little this and that to further the 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 wider storyline, but the Thor movies seemed like they were going to be fluffy, and and I don't I, I'm not saying that as a as a negative, but they were going to be just fun fun movies, and I've only seen the the first Thor and uh, Dark World once in the theater, and I enjoyed both of them. Couldn't. Don't remember a whole lot about them outside of a few, you know, certain certain scenes and the general general storyline, you know, that they established with with Thor, the dynamic of Thor and Loki and Odin, and uh, and I think this one follows that in, in in so much as it's just it's it's a romp, so it's I think a lot of the there's a lot of factors over whether you're going to like it or not in it is like how much you know about the, the, the comics and, and uh, you know how much you wanted it to be something else, but I, I enjoyed it. I have to watch it again to see if there's more to it because you know, there's, there's elements to it. Like, you know, there, there was, there's nothing in, in this. that's going to bring, bring a poignant, tear to your eye you know uh, unless it's maybe something visual that you were really so looking forward to seeing or something like that it's it's like three quarters of the way through a comedy and then it's it's sort of a dramedy at the end and uh i liked i liked basically the cast was was there and they're they're you know they're focused on their characters and they're into their characters and they're having fun some of them are having way more fun than others but you know the cast the cast is good um the 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 um writing is decent the 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 best aspect of the writing are the 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 way they land the jokes i like the humor in it is is a little little bit off color and it's a little bit off balance, maybe a little towards the Monty Python. Um, 
what else did I really I really like Goldblum I really like what was it Kate Blanchett or is it Kate Winslet yeah who, who played uh, no it was Kate, Kate Blanchett from she was uh, she was the Russian chick in uh, in the last Indiana Jones oh okay okay I thought I thought she was having she and Goldblum were having a riot you know they were enjoying themselves I really like what I really like what Ruffalo brings to his Ruffalo is hardly in it um but um you know Thor Thor and Loki are you know they they could get really campy with themselves and they don't take themselves too seriously but they strike a good balance and they're they're still having fun playing their characters and so so that's still that's still coming through um the soundtrack is phenomenal the so- the soundtrack is all over the place tonally too which the movie's all over the place tonally and it's just very rare that you get to hear a soundtrack that uh you know is is that you notice you know during the movie and go like ooh this is nice ooh i like this touch here you know and the soundtrack enhances it you know i i, I don't know the, well the last big movie i saw was uh the Blade Runner movie, and that was a Hans Zimmer soundtrack, which was a total, you know, so we went to the total other end of the spectrum, and I forgot that it was Mark Mothersbaugh, and I, I love Devo. So, and I and I sort of think of Mark Mothersbaugh as being a little, uh, sort of like Danny Elfman, but less... Did you see, did you see the Lego movie? Yes, that was Mark Mothersbaugh he... too, yes. Yeah, yeah, he did that. But that was more of a traditional Mark Mothersbaugh score, you know, because at first he was sort of like Danny Elfman-like because he did the Pee-wee's... Well, you know, Danny Elfman came up with the Pee-wee's theme, and then he was sort of backing that up by doing all the background music for it, so he was, like, sort of aping off the Danny Elfman thing, but then as he started doing soundtracks, he just started doing his own thing, and the Lego movie is, like... Well, it's got good, it's, it's got score music too, but, you know, I mean, a lot of it was sort of like his Devo experience kicking in and writing songs, you know, with lyrics and for set pieces and stuff. This has a little bit of that. I'm sure he wrote Jeff Goldblum's little synthesizer solo that he does it when he's, when he's at his club and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, there's definitely like synthy Devo-ish type of music for it although it's more sort of like 80s synth soundtrack music sort of like um stranger things or something i think they were going for a flash gordon vibe because Mm. from what i've read Mm. the director wanted freddie mercury to do the score but of course mercury's dead so couldn't do it but he could have gotten the the, that was the vibe that he wanted out of the score and i and i get that I, I really yeah. do. Well, I didn't get it during that, but now that you mention it, I totally, totally get that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll also mention it. I mean, it was in the trailer, but um, great use of uh, Led Zeppelin. If you're going to yeah. pay the money to license a Led Zeppelin song, I'm glad they used it in the um, in the movie. The visuals are... There's some... some spectacular visuals sometimes it's a little messy with the visuals but there's there's definitely like some just some nice moments where i thought 
damn, this is heavy metal. <laughs> you know, this is a heavy metal album. This this is the heavy metal Thor of like the Walt Simonson age type of stuff. With with Walt, there was two particular um, images besides the the most um, prominent one, which we'll probably get to later. But uh, there was what the the scene where the dragon from Hades is chasing him, and uh, and then it ends up with its head just sort of next to him when he comes in on the Rainbow Bridge, and then there's a scene of the the fighter ships that look like giant uh, Viking ships, you know, just sort of coming coming up above everybody and shooting down, and both of those like totally evoke the Walt Simonson. Um, Thor to me, and the 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 Kirby aspects of it, I wasn't seeing as much Kirby in this one as say like Guardians of the Galaxy two. So I, there there were many moments where I was just like, ooh, that's that's a Jack Kirby type of thing. But I guess for other people who are more steeped in it, there were some of those. But, um, I noticed a lot of the costumes in the the Grandmaster's place, a lot of the costumes I thought were very, very Kirby because mm-hmm. there were a number of them that looked very much like the comic book version of the Celestials outfits to a point where I almost uh, wondered if they were supposed to be some Celestials like, like people were costumed out. at, you know, because you know, it, it was oh, almost yeah. like a giant Halloween party. You know yeah. what I mean? With people dressed up, you know, with Hulk heads and stuff like that. It was sort of and like so a it, Las Vegas Mardi Gras sort of yeah. Halloween feel, yeah. Yeah. So there were there were a number of costumes I noticed in the background where I got a real like Celestials or Eternals feel, and those are you know those are Kirby creations, Kirby properties, and that that was definitely a vibe I got there. But beyond that, yeah, I would I would agree with you. I didn't. You know, off the top of my head, I didn't really notice a lot of that. You know, Asgard obviously always feels very much like a like a mishmash of Kirby and Simonson. Um, and I didn't notice if it really looked all that. Di- I I think it looked pretty much the same in this one as it has in the in the prior two films. So I wonder if they've already got the 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 city or you know whatever Asgard's supposed to be. You know, the the land of Asgard is maybe already digitally mapped. You know yeah, what I mean? I'll bet it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really notice anything particularly new there, but yeah, I definitely noticed with some of the costumes at the Grandmaster's place. But the the only other thing that's not like a specific thing, and this this movie, I mean the the general the general stuff that holds it together is good, um, but it's also a collection of like little moments. Jokes, gags, shot scenes that are really neat. But uh, in general, the 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 last thing I can think of off the top of my head that I really liked about it is I liked the I I liked the aspect of it. I wish there was even a little more of it, but there was still plenty of, more than they usually would put in a movie like this of um, the Thor, Thor and Hulk buddy pick, you know. And and Thor and Hulk maybe not being you know having the same close relationship, you know, as say Stark and and Hulk and stuff. And and this is this is sort of how they're developing the, the his friendship with the Hulk and his friendship with uh, 
Banner, although Banner isn't really in it for a lot, but when he is, I think he's... I just like his portrayal of the character, and I like the situations that they... I, I love the one situation, you know, where he's trying not to be the Hulk, and, like, everybody in the world wants him to be the Hulk. <laughs> Everything in the world is just throwing green and and the face of the Hulk at him. That was, that was a, a great scene. But I, I like... I, you, you know me, I want lots of Hulk. I want, I want another Hulk movie. And this it also expanded the character of the Hulk up into, for the first time, maybe outside of, like, an animated show. I'm not up on all my, like, how the Hulk has been in cartoons. But outside of the comics and, and, and definitely from the, like, live-action Hulks, this is the first talking Hulk. The first sentient, like, sentient and can tell you what's on his mind Hulk. And I liked, the way they did it was a little, was, was different than I was expecting. And the CG of the Hulk, it was a little off in this one. And maybe it was because there was so much Hulk in it that they couldn't afford to really, like, you know, do it render him as lovingly as like in an Avengers movie where it's like Hulk for five minutes you know maybe total if you cut all his scenes together type thing but I really liked that I really liked how when you realized okay he's been the Hulk for two years so he's had to learn to communicate and he's also just sort of relaxed into his position of he's turned into a jock sort of a celebrity jock and he's kind of like he's kind of got his hair coat and he kind of acts like a petulant jockish teenager to to an extent and i i just thought that was that was really good and the the comic potential and the smash potential of having thor and hulk together as as buddies is very high and they utilized it you know i'm I'm still, even after all these years of Marvel movies, I still expect of the old days where they didn't have the budget or they didn't think that they should do it or whatever, but everything was a tease, you know? Everything was a tease up until, like, the last ten minutes. Then we'll get the Hulk and Thor doing something, you know? Or if it was, say, the 80s when, they, when, when we were coming up, so I, I, like, go to these movies and go, like, I'm expecting a lot of Hulk and Thor running around, and I'm not going to get it. And I get it. And it so um, it's not shooting to the, the top of the, the Marvel pantheon at all. As a matter of fact, it's just sort of sitting down really honestly in the lower pantheon of the Marvel movies, which still has not gotten to the point of where there's been a bad movie yet but it's it's and you mean, and, you mean with you personally with me Is personally i like i would yeah. rank this like i you know i can't even i i'm not gonna even sit and figure out you know exactly where i'd rank it but it's in like the bottom third of of the movies which is it's it's not that's not I mean I would definitely recommend recommend it to people. I don't think anybody's going to come away from this movie like well somebody is. 
for some, for whatever reason, depending on what who, ranking it at the top. You mean? No, no, no. I I could see a lot of people ranking it from the top at first because it's like what if if you really got in if you really really got into this movie, and there were points of it too where I was getting. Well, really, no, I'm just trying to follow what you were saying. A lot of people are going to come. I, across, I don't think. I don't think a lot of people are going to be like, I hated this, are going to walk out of it like angry. Okay, all right. Now, you know now what I mean? Okay, now I see what you're saying. You but know, no, but just, I, I don't think I, it, I they're going to be like... the opposite, that, you know, you didn't see a lot of people coming out, you know, ranking it at the top, because I'm seeing that, which made me a little nervous to do this well, episode, because... I'm seeing everywhere that people love this movie and they're ranking it as like the greatest Marvel movie that's ever been. And so, you know, that made me understandably I call it the nervous sugar, to do this one because I don't rank it that it's, way. It's so. the sugar high effect. I think a lot, I think if, if you're really into, if you're like, you know, I, I read Thor comics religiously and I've read all these time, time periods of it. And I'm going to, and, <coughs> And the chemistry of it works for you. You could walk out of that just like jazzed, you know, and be like, how was it? Dude, it was the best Marvel movie I ever saw. Two weeks later, you're like, yeah, it was really good. And then, like, you start rewatching the movies and you're like, yeah, it was a really good movie. It's uh, not the best mo Marvel movie ever made, you know, but it's, it's that. And it's the hype, too. There was a lot of hype to this movie because yeah. of the sugar, uh, the sugar high. And, and, you know, it's, I mean, Marvel is just so good. I mean, it's solidly written, and it's not just perfunctory. You know, there's definite personality to it. There's quirks to it, and there's quirks to the characters and the humor, and it goes off in weird directions. So it's sort of its own little thing. But, you know, when you add up um, the amount of import to this movie how much like you 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 walk away from the movie going like you know i mean this movie basically as you have figured a long time ago spoilers has a lot of a lot of stuff happening in it one of the things is you know odin you know dies or what it goes off in a golden golden shower into the sky <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I missed that part. Right, and it's <laughs> and it's and you got Anthony Hopkins as Odin, right? And they play it as just this. You don't get. It's not like oh, I'm misty for Odin. Somebody might, you know. I mean, whatever your mileage may vary, but it's not played that way either. It's not played lightly, but it's it's not a very heavy scene. It's like. There goes well. There goes Odin, the father of all the Norse gods. <laughs> do you do you have specific notes? No. Or are you just this you're running just, off the top of your? I'm head. just all dribbling right. this out of my brain. So you okay. should take your turn. Is because yeah. I, I I have specific notes, and we're starting to touch on some of them. So I'm wondering okay. if we. I, I was thinking maybe we should bounce back and forth or whatever, yeah, so we don't do double duty on some of these. So, um. You mentioned the score, and that is my number one uh, thing on my list for likes. Uh, I would dare say loves, because I have been listening to the score now for about a week, and I love the score. I love, haven't love, gotten love it yet. Score. I'm about to I, dig it up. Yeah, I think it's fantastic, and... You know, I was already super jazzed for this movie. I've been waiting for this movie for for quite a, you know ever since it was announced, and especially you know when they started to 
dribble information out that it was going to be, you know, a, a buddy cop on the road picture with Thor and the Hulk. I was really excited about it and all, but um, so I've already been on a real high for this movie. And then the score came out and I am not terribly familiar with Mark Mothersbaugh, but I really liked his score for the Lego movie. So when I heard his name attached, I thought, well, that's kind of an odd choice for a Thor movie. But now, you know, listening to it, I mean, right, right from the first listen, I was in love with the score. I think it's fantastic. So really, really good score. That's probably my number one positive from the movie is that I, I just I think the score is fantastic. Much like the score to Doctor Strange, I think that the, the score outpaces the movie because I, I thought the same thing about Doctor Strange. Uh, Michael Giacchino's score for Doctor Strange is just an incredible score. It's just a fantastic score for a movie that I thought was, eh, it was okay. It was and, enjoyable, but it wasn't fantastic. And when Doctor and Strange I, I shows up in here, the music is also just awesome in that mm -hmm. point, too. Yeah, I really like that. Um, my other, you know, for the movie directly... Uh, you know, as far as what we see visually in the movie, my, my biggest uh, positive is the Hulk. Um, in a lot of ways, I actually came more for the Hulk in this movie than I did yeah. for Thor. And I suspect a lot of people probably did. I did. Um, so that's probably not a, a, a huge revelation, but I really liked the Hulk. And as you said, talking Hulk. Yeah. I really liked that. I did. I agree with you. I think his look was a little off. It was a little disconcerting because I, I tried to stay away from too much on this movie. I, I didn't watch a lot of the, the more recent trailers and stuff because I didn't want to be spoiled on things. But the the first. Well, do you, I think the first trailer that we. What's that? Do you think they were trying to be like he's been there and he's training and he's fighting. But at the same time. He's like kind of like a celebrity. I think maybe they were like the Hulk got a little fat, or because because Ruffalo seemed a, a bit like paunchy, you know, when when Ruffalo came back. So I wonder if they were trying to be like this is a Hulk that's maybe not gotten soft, but he's he's definitely like had more access to, <coughs> to you know wine, women, and food sort of thing. Uh, I don't know. I I got more of a. I got more of a vibe of this Hulk. Reminded me a lot of the the Hulk during the the, the latter days of Peter David's run on the Hulk, where uh, uh, Doc Samson, who's a, a psychiatrist, you you know the character, right? Mm -hmm. In the comics, mm -hmm. Doc Samson. Green hair. Yeah, he he does this whammy on the Hulk in one of the issues where he's trying to, he, he figures out that the Hulk basically has multiple personality disorder. So he tries to straighten the Hulk out and straighten Banner out by essentially merging his many different personalities. And when he does this, then for a long time, the Hulk was more or less stuck in this one form where he was smart, huge, but he had kind of like a little teeny tiny command module head on this massive body. <laughs> and that's kind of what the Hulk looked like to me in this movie is it was very similar to that, like really big, broad shoulders, really huge. But his head is the part that looked a little off to me. I with just have to movie, remember so. command module head. I'm going to call <laughs> somebody. A... Good you know one, I mean? command module head. 
So it's like visually, I thought that was kind of the look that somebody was going for. And I like that he was, he could talk. I like that he was intelligent. I like that he was somewhere in the middle. He wasn't Mm -hmm. stupid Hulk, like in the, you know, he wasn't the completely. Just id creature, puny human, stupid. Yeah, he he wasn't that, but he also wasn't Brainy Hulk, which I never... I I don't like extremes when it comes to the Hulk. I I like him somewhere in the middle, and that's he was perfect in this. He was right in the middle to where he could reason, he could think. He wasn't a Brainiac, but he wasn't an idiot. You know, he was somewhere in the middle. He also had a little bit of the Joe Fix-It thing going on, too, I thought, where he was a little... He was a little sketchy, you know. He wasn't afraid to, to play a little dirty, and I liked that. So I thought the Hulk was was done incredibly well in this movie. I really liked that. Uh, the fight in the arena, of course. I mean, come on, that's for most people. I would imagine that was probably the draw of this movie, and well, it didn't that, wait, wait, that was a damn good fight. You can't underestimate that trailer for hyping hyping up for this movie. That trailer. Oh yeah. That first trailer was just built for for when i saw i i mean i must have watched that thing like 15 times i'm just like oh yeah now they're thinking with this you know this is this it just yeah it was it was the perfect hype trailer so well you know what in, in the interest of giving credit where credit is due once again marvel has done something that they've done a lot with these movies as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I don't think they get enough credit for, which is taking a fairly recent comic book story, particularly a lackluster one, and taking the basic premise or the basic visual look, sometimes just the idea, going a different direction and making it a hell of a lot better than the original thing ever was. A a great example of that is Captain America's Civil War, because Civil War, the comic story, frankly, I thought sucked. But the movie is one of my favorites of the cinematic universe. The movie, I thought, was fantastic. It took the basic idea and just did it better. And very recently, in preparation for this movie, I sat down and read for the first time um, Planet Hulk, which is a a story, I got to be honest, I never had any interest in. I always thought it was just a stupid idea. It sounds interesting. It's basically what happens in that story in the comics is that basically the Illuminati, which is made up of the 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 heads of the different it's almost like a mafia thing. You know, it's like the heads of the family. So you've got. Iron Man representing the Avengers. You've got Reed Richards representing the FF. You've got Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, Namor. I think that's everybody. I might be forgetting one or two. I'm not sure. But anyway, basically the heads of the Marvel Universe uh, are a secret society that are there to protect the planet. And they get tired of the Hulk shit. So they trick him into going onto a spaceship and then they blast him off into deep space, basically going, oh, you can be somebody else's fucking problem now. Yeah. <laughs> and they intend to send him to, like, this idyllic planet where he can just live out his Hulk days. But uh, he ends up getting sucked into a black hole or something and winds up on the planet that's kind of sort of like the one in this movie, although it's a lot more harsh and gladiatorial in the comics. This one's more played for laughs. And while he's there, he does adopt, you know, the brush helmet and, the, you know, the, the, the same essential look that he has right. in the movie. The, the gladiator look. But it's, it's much more, you know, it's, it's much more gladiator. 
and it was I don't know it was okay it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be but in the long run I I just you know Hulk on another planet just doesn't interest me I just think that's I, I don't know I just wasn't really interested but anyway it was it was better than I thought it was going to be but still having read it I was like eh, I don't know I don't know why everybody's so excited about you know seeing that on the screen because that just doesn't really appeal to me so you know kudos to them for once again taking. Uh, an idea from the comics and, and doing it a lot better and doing it a lot more interesting on the big screen. Cause I, I did like it in this. I, I thought that really worked well. Um, he was one of the things I liked best in, in the movie. I thought Ruffalo's performance as the Hulk was really good. I, again, I liked the fight with Thor and I loved the fight with Fenris. I thought that was really cool. That dog looked damn cool. You know, the, the giant wolf. I just thought that was really neat. The the the, um, the gladiatorial fight was cool, not only in just the like beating the hell out of each other manner that and that in itself was great, but they it was so well written that you had, you know, the layer of you know how the grandmaster is watching the fight, how Loki, and then at the same time you have Loki who's in the middle of his manipulation of the fight and knows more about both of those two. And then when it, you know, when they reveal that they're friends at the beginning of the fight, it just takes a whole new level on as Loki's reaction and the grandmaster's reaction. They start playing off each other. It's just a very well orchestrated and written scene. And it's not a tease. Like you would think when, when I saw it, I'm like, all right, well, you know, this is great in the commercial. Who knows where it's going to go, you know? Right. Uh, but, right. Th- nope, they de- they delivered on that promise for sure. I really liked Valkyrie. I was prepared to thoroughly dislike Valkyrie because she looks nothing like her, you know, I, the comic I, book. I think they avoided that because the cause I, I, as soon as, as soon as I, you know, they, they revealed who she was. And I was like, oh, yeah, Hulk used to, um, I don't know if it was in the Defenders or if it, it was. It was, it was in the Defenders, but he they used were to, teammates, yeah. The, yeah, but they were like buddies. They like like mm-hmm. to destroy things together. And then when I realized that, instantly I started like sorting through and I brought up the picture of, of her. And it's almost like such a stereotyped like Fraulein Right, because she has like the Viking right. hat, and then she's got the like right. pigtails, and the 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 Viking skirt and stuff like that. So I think, oh, either that or you know, I don't know how they cast this stuff. Maybe they had like fifteen blonde Amazonian German women, you know, come in first, and then all of a sudden this woman came in and was just, and they were like, "That's it, she's she's perfect." But yeah, she had a she had a really like comfortable in her skin performance and once you found out who she was it could have been really corny but they 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 worked it really well i also yeah. like that she was a non-repentant drinker she was just like yeah but i'm not gonna start quit drinking blah, 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 blah. i mean i don't know for a fact but i strongly suspect that she was cast you know because of the, the the big diversity push in hollywood these days you know they didn't they didn't want it to be an all-white cast essentially. and they so were they like we'll sacrifice the, big, the blonde amazonian we'll, yeah. we'll we'll sacrifice the most like blonde like female character for a, for a more 
I I don't know what her ethnicity is. She could is yeah, possibly Hispanic or or whatever. But boy, she but what she I like pulls it off physically she, and personality wise. You know what I mean? She she worked, and I I liked that. To me, I, the way I was able to kind of reconcile is that she's not that Valkyrie. She's a Valkyrie, but not right. specifically that Valkyrie. Right. Because in the flashback scene, there is a Valkyrie that you see killed. And I suspect that they had a little bit of something going on there by her reaction. I think that there's uh... something in the movie that I don't know if they cut it or it's just hinted or whatever. But I got a specific vibe that one of the reasons that she said, hey, screw this, and then she's off, you know, drinking herself to death on uh, Sakaar is that not only was she devastated to be the, didn't she say she was like the sole survivor or she something? Was a, she was the last one, yeah. Yeah, but I think she also may have, I don't know if it was just a sisterly relationship or maybe a little bit something more, but the Valkyrie that we specifically see standing over her and essentially taking the bullet for her is how I interpreted it. That Valkyrie looked exactly like comic book right. Valkyrie. So I liked that. I thought they that might was be a introducing. Really nice nod. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, I, her, her, like I said earlier, her interaction with the Hulk and when, when she didn't know that Banner was the Hulk, and he kept going like, "Do I know you?" Mm-hmm. And she and they and they inst you know you can see that recognition between both of them because right. neither of them know who either of them is, and and it was just played very well. And those that I thought those were the most like human scenes in the whole movie. The most the ones that made me go like. Oh, that's a really natural moment between human beings, you know. Well, I think she, Thor, and Hulk, even when he was Banner, I think I think the three of them had a really good dynamic. Yes, I would love to. I would totally be down for more adventures. Yes, of the three of them. Yes. My my problem is when they tried to 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 make it a little bit bigger team than that. Then that's where I thought some of the the wonkiness crept in. But between the three of them. I thought they had a great little like you know Kirk Spock uh, McCoy thing going on that worked really well. I, yes. I liked that. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah. I loved the return of Thor whirling his hammer at incredible speed to yeah. use it as a weapon. We haven't seen that. To my mind, I, I can't recall having seen that since the first Thor movie. You know, because there was a. One of the things that made me fall in love with that movie very early on watching it in the theater was when they go to Jotunheim and the the battle's on essentially with the ice giants and he's whirling his hammer and he puts it down on the ice and he's basically throwing ice shards at them. And I just love that. It was right out of the comics. I yeah. mean, that was visuals right out of the comics. There was the well, return he used of it that like in five this. different ways spinning it in this one. Yeah. I just I love that visual of, you know, it's it's the classic, you know, I mean, it's it, it goes all the way back to the Kirby stuff, of course. But, you know, also Simonson really used that a lot to where it was almost like he was spinning it so fast. It was almost like it was a shield because it was just, you know, a, a, this this blur circle around his fist. And he was doing that uh, in the beginning of this. And I was just loving that because I, I think that's just one of the coolest effects with, with him and the hammer. Well, they can finally uh, use the physics of it, which you could never do in special effects. You know, 
I mean, you get, just like in the comics, you get the idea of the physics of how he and his shield or his hammer work. Right. Like um, throwing it and then having the momentum of it carry him, you know, as a way of flying. And, you know, that that would that's very hard to I mean, they portray it in the comics because that's how they, you know, they started doing that. But when when he threw his hammer and it pulled him along with him, it looked that looked just like I pictured it in my head if I made it move off the comic. So, right. It's it's so great to see that stuff happen just naturally, organically within a movie, too. Yep. Yeah, I love that. I love there was a lot of uh, drop, you know, name drops, references, little gags that were there for us, the fanboys. And I really liked that. Uh, Probably the biggest geek. out. Well, there was two that I really geeked out over. Um, One was the specific reference of Contest of Champions. I really love that. Yeah, me too. You know, you and I were talking before we got recording, you know, the one of the big guys in the original Contest of Champions uh, miniseries was the Grandmaster. So I thought that that was pretty awesome that, you know, that was a nice callback. Uh, I loved and I was really surprised that there was so few chuckles over this in the showing that I went to. But when Hela is in the trophy room on Asgard and she walks by the Infinity Gauntlet and knocks it off the pedestal and just goes, fake. I, I, I roared. That was one of the few genuine belly laughs I had in the whole movie. And very few other people laughed. So I'm wondering, did people not get that? Because in the first Thor film, you know, we have, uh, we have the scene where... Uh, I, I think it's shown in the scene where Odin goes with the guards down to the trophy room to check out what's what's happened down there to repel the the ice giants or whatever the hell's going on at the beginning of that movie and you see the the infinity gauntlet in there of course this was long before they set things up with thanos coming to earth and you know the the infinity stones because this was you know i mean thor was only the what fourth movie fourth i think yeah you know at yeah, at that time. So they were still setting all this stuff up. Well, then after the reveal of Thanos in Avengers and then, you know, slowly setting him up that he's collecting the Infinity Stones and all that, fanboys started to wonder about, well, wait a minute. We've already seen the Infinity Gauntlet with all the stones in it in Odin's treasure room. So what the hell's it? You know, so it was a continuity thing. So I loved that it was resolved, you know, nice and simple as as kind of a throwaway gag in this one where she just goes fake and knocks it off the, the pedestal. I thought that was great. And it, it just I don't know, it really fell flat in the particular showing that that I watched it in. I'll be very curious to to hear from the listeners. Well, you, you know, might what, have just had more the general audience fans there, you know. Yeah, I, I, I definitely in the showing I was in, it definitely felt more. To me, you know, by by the reactions, I thought it was it was much more of a general audience as opposed to a a nerd specific audience. Uh, I love the mention of Thor as a frog. That was a, a great little you know nod to uh, you know one of one of my favorite stories from the Simonson era. Honestly, um, I loved. This is where we get into things that I like, but. 
one of my things with the movie is that it's got a lot of big butts, Dottie. And that's kind of where we get into this now is things that I like, but. So I love the fact that they, they finally just went for broke and now they, the Asgardians are gods. I, I like that. But how did that happen? You know, because all of a sudden in this, it's just a done deal. All of a sudden, everybody's the god of this, the god of that. I like it, but how did we get there? And I felt like there was a disconnect with that because after two movies of of really, I thought, kind of, I don't want to say beating you over the head with it, but really making very specific points for the first two Thor movies that, well, we're not gods. We're just long-lived super beings. Science that, aliens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with this one, all of that shit's brushed aside and they are just, they are gods. I like it, but how did we get there? Um, Doctor Strange. I liked the Doctor Strange movie. I re- and I'm shocked that I did because I never liked that character in the comics. I don't really like Benedict Cumberbund. I think he's kind of he's kind of creepy looking in that like well yeah but you know, like, that like almost creepy, works for like, Doctor pedophilish kind of way you know what I mean? <laughs> so oh, all, I was gonna say that kind of works for Doctor Strange, but I don't know yeah, about the pedophile so. aspect of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just he's got he's weird looking. I liked him because I liked his movie and I'm fully prepared to see more of him um, in the MCU and everything. So I really liked him, but there were things going on that I really didn't like. So is this in Dr. Strange or the Dr. Strange in Ragnarok? Dr. Strange's appearance in this movie. So here's Thor, not only the God of thunder, which Dr. Strange acknowledges but also one of the Avengers, possibly the most powerful Avenger. Uh, you know, things possibly. that I, I believe that Doctor Strange knows, a- acknowledges, but he doesn't seem to respect. And that was my real issue with this is that, okay, I get that his character is an, an arrogant dick, but do you really want to be an arrogant dick to the God of Thunder? And I thought he was just he was disrespectful and I, and I didn't expect him to, to any God tell. period, actually, you know, yeah. you might want to just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect him to kowtow to Thor, but at the same rate, you know, you're plus not to mention the fact of just common courtesy. You're meeting this person for the very first time. Do you have to be a confrontation, a confrontational asshole? And he really was. Oh, he and, just sort of whipped him through the procedure. You know, he was sort of like, come in, yeah. sir, you know, and then, and was just like whipping him. Now, we may come later to find out there was more going on there that Doctor, you know, maybe we'll find out in further Doctor Strange movies that he had to run away from something else to deal with this or something. But it was very, it was very cameo. And if it would have lasted for another couple minutes, it probably would overstate its welcome. But they, you know, but they kept it moving along. So as like as, as scenes, it worked. But like you're saying, as as character stuff, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny. You know what I mean? It it's just it, it. It's not necessarily even that it was out of character, although it kind of sort of felt that way. It was more like, I don't know. I, I don't want to be crude, but the best way I could think about it was like 
it was like Doctor Strange was trying to really make absolutely sure that the lasting impression he left on Thor was that his dick was bigger. You know what I mean? And it's well, like, didn't the why, last why thing that happened was that well, didn't the last thing that happened before that he took him over to Odin was basically that like Loki was charging at him, right? Bas- right. Yeah. Basically, and he just so swept them away. Yeah. So he 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 sort of almost just like. Um, needled them till till Loki got pissed and then and you know so yeah it was I did like that only because Thor or excuse me Doctor Strange rather Doctor Strange and Loki did have a rivalry in the comics and that I liked I thought that was a nice little uh, nod okay see that's um, some of the stuff I don't pick up on I you know I pick up on just maybe half the stuff I'm guessing I liked the Grandmaster, but there's a lot of butts involved with that. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I, it's yeah, a, uh, well, it's weird. So it, it, it he was plays, more of a regal character in the comics, if I recall from Contest well, he, of Champions. He was, he, he was. He was much more aloof and alien, and you know, he's, he's one of the elders of the universe. I don't get the feeling with either him or the collector who, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're brothers, but I could be wrong. But at at the very least, they're part of a brotherhood, which is elders of the universe in the comics. I'm starting to get the feel with the Marvel Cinematic Universe that that's not the case, that he was just a guy in this and not one of the elders. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know what I mean? I, I, I like the sense of there being tears and there being weird and mysterious higher beings kind of right. thing. We, we've gotten a glimpse of that so far. I mean, technically the, the Asgardians kind of fall into that realm, but I'm talking even like the, the weirder ones, you know, the, the ones that are sl- you know more removed from humans, you know, like the Celestials. I mean, we've gotten a hint of the well, Celestials so far. I mean, there was... And the Grandmaster to me... Uh, I'm, go- I'm sorry, go ahead. I could almost... Like, the... um. The, the scene that made me think that maybe he was more, uh, uh, not omnipotent, but, you know, more super powerful was, and it was a gag throwaway line. It was at the, it was at the end credit, the end credit scenes where he's just like, it's a draw. But the thing is, he's in front of, you know, he's got all these people with guns and, and stuff with him. Right. Does, it doesn't even phase him, you know? It's it, it it's like the the Gary Mitchell Nat thing. He can be as stupid and bumbly as he wants and say whatever he wants to them because you know they have they have no power, you know. Uh, the, I I That's interesting. That's cuz I see I didn't take it that way, but now that you say that that it's, actually it's makes almost a an Eric amount of sense cuz I took it the other way that he's He's so full of himself that he doesn't realize the the danger he's even in, or or you know is trying to play off the danger he's in. But maybe he wasn't, as you he say, just maybe wasn't he wasn't in, in any danger. danger. Yeah, had, there's I, there's nothing there to endanger. He acted as if there was there was never a moment that the only moment where he seemed even close to like being alarmed about anything going on around him was during the gladiator games and i'm sure that's because he had bets and he had and the hulk's his guy and you know there's and uh and if thor beats him he get you know there's there's actual stakes at stake so that's the thing 
that's the only thing in the Grandmaster's, you know, jaded. That and an occasional orgy on his birthday in his in his spaceship is the only thing that like keeps the blood pumping in this guy. You know, I mean the whole that 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 whole civil. I, I always got the feeling that that whole civilization could collapse around him, and he'd be like, "Now I got to find another planet and set up." You know. And he starts it like fighting little alien animals and works his way back up to whatever. But yeah, I got I I I I think I don't know. I think they're I think Marvel when we get into space, I think they're less afraid to make characters immortals or cos cosmic in some way. You know what I mean? But I, at that same right. time, they're also the way Marvel does it is very casually. You know. Even even Ego the Living Planet when he got his big chances to be like I am Ego and this is this, a lot of it was still sort of kind of laid back, you know, as opposed to the super serious tone of it, you know, in in the original comics. Which I don't know if you could get away with it, you know. You can get away with it in little bits and pieces and in tone. So, yeah, I think he, I, it, it's. And they and they and the Marvel movies also have the sort of uh, if it's not a super important character to the story at that moment that you need to need you can put people on a need to know basis with them. So it's like okay, well we could have an we could have the Grandmaster later on in another movie, and you know he'll be he'll he'll be there with the Collector, you know, or something, right. you know. So they can expand upon it later, so they don't really have to you know, explain how it's not important to the story now to know that he's, you know, 10,000 years old and, you know, very, very powerful. Cause he's not phased by the Hulk. He's not phased by Thor. He's just like, Oh, look at him. He's got some fight in him, you know? So, right. um, yeah, I, I mean, it could go either way and maybe they're trying to have it both ways until they decide what they want to do later or something. Well, I, I freely acknowledge that, this is one of those uh, specific times where my familiarity with the source material may worked have against worked you. against me. It, it, it may have really uh, affected, you know, how I felt about things in the movie because there there were a number of things like that 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 bugged me in this one in a way that I've been trying not to let them bug me. Um, and and somehow there there was just I, I guess there was just one too many in this movie or something. But um, unless you've got anything else on the positives, I'd, I'd like to discuss the, you know, some of the some of the negatives. You know, some of the dislikes. Yeah, I'll I'll start again. Mine's mine's a little shorter. My negative negative list it might be a little shorter than yours, I expect, but it's definitely shorter than my positive list because my negatives aren't really and and my negatives aren't as specific as my positives either i think um in ter terms of story structure it's kind of messy <laughs> it's it's fun messy but it's still kind of messy and it doesn't flow it doesn't flow like a guardians movie di does and i'm sure they didn't there's so many similarities to guardians of the galaxy that they wanted to differentiate it, not just by having different characters, but by having a different feel and flow to it. And I don't know if that 
for that kind of material, you know, I mean, the, the Guardians feel and flow works really well. This was a li- this was a little more awkward, and I got the strong suspicion that this could have been a two and a half hour movie, and that they cut out a lot of uh, a lot of stuff, um, and that I I felt this movie would have been a lot stronger if it was about 20 minutes shorter but I don't know this is what makes me think that they cut a lot of stuff out I don't really know what you could cut out of it except for little bits and pieces here and not not mess up the story with it so I think they cut everything that they possibly could and one of the things that triggers my one of my few specific um, and it's not his fault, but Carl Urban's wasted in this movie. He is, he's, yeah. uh, he's not bad in it. He's just not given much to do. He's given a, a, a chance to be a little comedic in the beginning. And then after that, he's just sort of standing off to the side of Hela and reacting to her and getting pushed around by her a little bit. But that's about it, you know, until he gets his redemption at the end. But there's, just not much to his character le- making me think maybe there was some more left on the, the cutting room floor. I have suspicion there's probably more gold bloom on the cutting room floor. And uh, I, I think we, we might have gotten a little more history of in detail into, you know, the Hulk's life on on the, on the gladi- gladiator planet. But um, it just sort of, uh, it, it, it feels like they almost if if i had to make a criticism they almost threw too much at the screen in this movie you know there was almost too much going not at once it's not like it's confusing and over you know um convoluted or anything like that it's just like the 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 tone is shifting all the time you're here you're here you're here you're here this person's here um and but it's it's it's, it's a minor that you say minor that. quibble. It, it's interesting that you say that because that triggers in my mind criticisms I often hear leveled against a movie that I really like, uh, which is Spider-Man Three. I often hear that one, you know, a lot of the same things you're saying uh, as criticisms for this leveled at that movie, and and that kind of clicks because I, I can see that you know where there's too much going it's on. It's kind of overloaded. It's, overloaded. This, this is know, overloaded in a that, different way than Spider-Man yeah. Three. Um, the uh, like, I liked Spider-Man Three though. I wasn't yeah, one I of those too. people who didn't like. There were there were parts of it I didn't like or that I thought didn't work. You know, I wasn't a fan of the whole dance scene, you know, and all that. But whatever. It's you know the the directors has is has a goofy style but to me the overload in that one felt like all right this is my last chance to get all this in and at the same time though everybody wants the suit or alien thing and we got so it was just like we got to get this might be the last chance to get everything that everybody wants to see in this movie. And, and I, I don't know if it was necessarily everything the filmmaker wanted to do or the filmmaker, or, you know, that he thought that the audience wanted, but it felt like they were trying to get everything in it before we went out. And this one, it just seemed like they were, you know, people were throwing ideas against the wall and going, and, and that's, that's the thing is they, all the separate little, 
components to it are funny and generally effective and have their have their own little you know it's almost like a series of little mini movies you know there's there's different feels to different parts of it and there's there's parts of it that feel low budget like when he's when he's sort of camped out in that little where he meet first meets rock guy and he's sort of in that dirty little little off to the side part of the stage and uh but when you put them all together it's kind of disjointed and it doesn't it doesn't work in a smooth structural way but it's going fast and throwing so much stuff out that you don't get a chance to really think about it you know or catch your breath but it's 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 you you know how those movies that you really love and watch over and over again they have a flow to them and when you watch them you feel yourself coming into this part and this part right. and this part and right. that that's not what this this one is it's just a whole series of of scenes and right. set set pieces and and gags yep i agree well, as I said, I, I think in, in certain instances, my familiarity uh, both with the source material and even more so possibly with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I watch these movies regularly and I'm getting I'm getting to know them like I know my Star Wars movies. You know what I mean? Because I watch them all the time. I'm really into these movies. I, I consider in a lot of ways the, the Marvel cinematic universe is is filling kind of a void in my life left by you know star wars and star trek and and you know the dc movies and things like that so you know this is my you know my my latter-day star wars in a lot of ways i'm really into it and unfortunately certain aspects of that i think worked against me in this movie um my number one dislike with this movie my number one complaint because I'm going to kind of go both, you know, major and minor complaints here. This is my, my biggest major complaint is the tone of the movie. I think, unfortunately, I, I just think they struck the wrong tone. It's funny because <laughs> once again, I'm that guy. Cause it looks like the entire rest of the world at the moment disagrees with me because this movie is getting rave reviews and everybody's laughing their asses off and they think it's, you know, it, it's, you know, this great comedy and the theater last night was definitely, you know, that, you know, was the reactions as well. Lots of laughter in our theater yesterday, the, too. The humor, I'll just be honest with you, a lot of the humor, most of the humor in the movie just didn't work for me. It's not that it wasn't funny. It's my problem. My hang up was the material that they were present, you know, the, 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 the venue they were presenting it in. Thor in this movie, I, I hate to say this, but he's ridiculously out of character. Thor is not Star-Lord. Star, you know, I could easily see Chris Pratt delivering a lot of the lines that Thor was delivering in this movie. I could hear more of Star-Lord speaking a lot of the lines than I could Thor. One of the things that really drove me crazy was, now, Thor has never had the Thor speak of the comics in these movies. Granted, he, right. he's never had that, that Shakespearean or whatever you want to call it speech pattern. There's, there's been dribs and drabs of it, but it's not been, you know, like in it the was first in the Thor, comics. It, er, he's, he's developed, he's, as he's, as he's spent more time around modern Midgard, 
you can see him picking up uh, like at first but he never used the formal speech but he had that sort of formal more, tone to it at first yeah. but as as it, we've gone along he's yes he's become more and more it was surfer you know, <laughs> yeah it was you know it was more it was like that star wars level formal speak you know without it being really regal or shakespearean or whatever you know in the in the earlier thor films this one it's largely out the window even when he's on asgard i i felt like it was largely out the window but specifically when he was on sakar some of the things he said just rung completely false for me and one of the big ones and he said it several times was when thor says oh my god i'm thinking um wouldn't that be your dad? Yeah. Because yeah. who is Thor's god? Right. He you would know? say, by the I, something of Odin. Yeah, you know? exactly. You know, so I, you know, I know it sounds nitpicky, but that really bothered me. You know, specifically with Thor, some of the th stuff might be nitpicked. But overall, I I'm serious about the tone of the movie. And the reason I bring this up and make such a point of it is, you know, I I've taken a lot of shit for being very down on what DC is doing, what Warner Brothers is doing with their movies. I've given them a lot of crap, and I think deservedly so, but I've given them a lot of grief for making all of their movies Batman. You know, everything's got to be dark because Dark Knight was such a huge smash hit, so everything's got to be dark, including Superman. Well, if I'm going to give them grief for that, then I can't give Marvel a pass for doing... The same thing the opposite, in the opposite yeah. direction. I think that they they get that the reason that they're mopping the floor with DC when it comes to the box office is that their lighter tone has, but yet respect for the characters, has really struck a chord with the fans and within us, especially with general audiences too. And they've been doing a bang up job until recently. I think that the success of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie has been a real double-edged sword because mm. while I love that movie and I, and I love that it blew up the Marvel Universe, you know, it blew, you know, it opened wide is what I mean, the Marvel Universe, you know, the cosmic angle and all that, and it, and it did some wonderful things. One of the nasty side effects I'm seeing is the the, the smash phenom of that movie is now bleeding over into the other properties and they've always had a lighter tone, but now they're, they're not they're, a comedy they risk being so light that they're getting silly. Well, and they're not you, taking themselves seriously. You're enough. Reminding, and that I no, go ahead. You're reminding me to, to bring up what you were telling me to remember to bring oh, up. Go ahead. That's uh that's uh we were saying earlier that there's a lot of similarities structure-wise, tone-wise, and character-wise with this this Thor, not just Thor in Marvel Cinematic Universe, but Thor Ragnarok, the Thor in Ragnarok specifically, to the Bob Layton Hercules miniseries portrayal mm -hmm. of Hercules, who is just sort of good-naturedly, you know... Um, He's big, dumb fun. Yeah, he's yeah, just going, just going from situation to situation, and then at the end of it, resolve a serious problem. You know, this movie 
is big dumb fun in yes. the, in in the same vein as Bob Layton's Hercules. The problem is Thor is not Bob Layton's Hercules. So if this movie had been Herc Ragnarok, I'd have, I'd have absolutely fucking loved it. But it's Thor, and Thor is not that character. And and it um, you know it just on that level it didn't quite work for me. Well. Um, now I forgot what I was, oh, I know I'm what sorry. I was going to say. No, no, no. I know. I, I remember now. Um, I think what, and, and there were, there were two specific things in this movie at, that could have directly been sources of real drama, tension, and even, uh, you know, uh, a sad tear at some point and that was the death of Odin and the destruction of Asgard yeah and neither one those, elicits the, anything those does it? are those should be a big deal to Thor and Loki at the very least they should be taking you know I mean in in their situation getting to to Asgard okay you know Goofity, goofity, goofity. This is the same with with Big Dumb Fun. This is the same with Hercules. But once you get in Hercules' case to Mount Olympus, the fun stops, you know. And and you know, Odin's Odin's their you know Thor's father and Loki's adopted father. When when he dies or goes on to the next level or passes on to wherever he's going, that's a bit that should be a big deal for Thor and Loki. And I guess it is, but it's not played as such. It's not played for for laughs or played lightly, but it's played mildly. And the same with Asgard. And Asgard isn't destroyed as a joke, but it's a little funny. You know what I mean? When you see like the guys like, oh, I finally get my chance to destroy Asgard, and it's all for naught because everybody's gone. You know, he's just sort of okay. You get to do your thing, but. It's really to defeat Hela or what or whatever, but it's just sort of, it's it's just sort of an action sequence, you know. And I don't know if if it would have worked if they went really tonally, not dark but serious, with you know we have to save Asgard or you know there goes Asgard or there goes Odin. It, I don't know if they thought it would have been too much of a shock between the two tones, but if they could have balanced more of that in there it would have really given this yeah. movie the half this movie has no heft it's fun it's fluffy you know, it it doesn't what it needed what it desperately needed and and this i this thought just occurred to me but see if you you agree because i suspect you will what this movie needed to follow the formula this movie needed to follow was star trek 4 Star Trek Four mm, starts mm-hmm. with a pretty serious threat. The frickin' Earth's going to be destroyed by the space whale. Then we travel back in time and we have a fun comedic romp. And the moment they wind up back in the 23rd century, you've just come off this fun romp. It had a little bit of drama in it, but for the most part, it was lighthearted fun. And the moment they get back, you hear, whoa, 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 yeah. and you're like, oh shit, that's right. The Earth's back about to, to die. work. Yeah, that's what this movie needed. Was come in with a big threat a serious threat asgard is going to be destroyed and odin is going to be killed and then you go off and you have your fun romp and they could have done all of the same stuff that they did 
and then but when you get back to to asgard all of a sudden it's oh yes that's right threat hella you know goddess of death i didn't get any of that i i there was no there was no sense of threat because there's no heft to right. any of well they uh, didn't they didn't approach things. it with any of it i mean they did say i mean you were pretty much give it was very clearly communicated that hela is is basically able to whoop anybody when she's in Asgard and that's that's just about it you know what what and do you know about her from the comics nothing not much at all and i i all i know about her is what i'm working on in the context of this movie i've heard of her character I'm... before but i don't know how i i'm assuming that this character is nothing like visually maybe but she's not like wisecracking and stuff in the. She's not, you know, in the. I always took her. her now, I, I know I've seen her in the comics before, but apparently she didn't. I, I didn't pay enough attention, or I don't didn't remember make a big whatever. Impression. Didn't make a big impression. But my my thought about her was that she was kind of almost like. She's kind of like a cross between the the specter of death and and Hades. Yes. But I had thought that her power was the touch of death. If she touched you, you died. And so when we got these trailers, and did you notice that the movie changed from the trailer? Because in the original, I don't know if it was a teaser or a full trailer, but the first thing we ever got from this movie, that fight where she grabs the hammer. Oh, yeah, and it's a different it, shot altogether. Yeah, it's a different anyway. shot. All the, the Hulk has a different voice in this too than he did. That the yeah. whole scene where they're talking about you know what kind of fire they are is completely shot at different angles and has a has different voices oh, dubbed in I it. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, it's, it's was a, he Lou Ferrigno by the way? Because I meant to pay attention to that in the credits and I missed it. But I, I don't, know that Ferrigno had voiced him. I don't know if he's voiced him in every prior MCU movie at this point, but I know he he had it at least a couple of times. I don't think Ferrigno is is by his is partial deafness is able to speak as clearly as this Hulk. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, I got you. Yeah. So but I don't in, know. In I didn't. I didn't Avengers, pay attention. He he spoke. I think he just spoke once, if I remember right. But he, you know, there's the part where he pounds Loki, and then he goes, "Puny God." Yes. That's to my understanding, that is actually That's Ferrigno. Ferrigno. But I don't... I, I couldn't tell if it was Ferrigno in, in this movie or not. But anyway, what the hell was my point? Oh, so anyway, that that's one of the few things I I thought I remembered about Hela. Now, again, I, I'm not sure if I'm correct, but I thought that was her main claim to fame power was... Uh, again, that she was like the angel of death. If she touches you, she's taking you away with her to hell. And so when she grabs Mjolnir and destroys it in the trailer, I thought, okay, she's the same character. But then when she actually physically, because for a lot of their fight, it's it's standoff, you know, it's keep away. But she does actually get him around the neck at one point, and I thought, oh wait, well where's her death power now? So I was really confused by her character. I mean, really confused. I, I felt like there needed to be a little more clarification of exactly what the hell is the threat here you know what what is her power and i didn't get a sense of that and 
I, I'm also wondering about the sister thing, but I don't I don't know enough about her to know if that was actually something they just threw in or if that actually was from the comics. I don't know. Well, I mean, they had all the ingredients with her and the, the way that they quote-unquote defeated her. It, they had all the makings of some really interesting insights. They're all in there, really. It's the whole thing of like, well, you know, there's a prophecy that this guy is going to destroy Asgard, which is going, you know, it's prophesied, it's, you know, basically they're like, it's 100% going to happen, but Thor thwarts it, and then she takes over Asgard, and as long as she is in Asgard, as long as Asgard's there, she gets her power from it, so she's undefeatable, and so... You know, you have this story of like, well, and they and they stated explicitly, you know, Asgard is the people and not Asgard. So you can have the destruction of Asgard, but it all just happens. You know, they could have there could have been a little more depth to it to where when Asgard would starts going down, you know, going down, you get a tear in your eye rather than rock eye going like, Oh, you're not going to be able to save those foundations. You know what I mean? And right. and that and and that was what was missing from this to, to put it up out of the bottom third for me. Whereas in Guardians, which um, I know you 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 felt the second Guardians wasn't as good as the first Guardians, but even in the second Guardians, you know, just the simple like daddy issues story of it. And the way they present it brings a tear to your eye when when Yandu dies, and and uh, oh, yeah. and even a bigger tear for me when you know he gets paid tribute to at the end, you know. And well, I don't know if you remember it or not, but Frigga is, I mean, she she's got such short screen time, and and she's such a minor character that it's almost laughable. But when she dies in Thor 2 and, and they have the Viking funeral for her, it's it's emotional. It's yeah. a sad moment. And it it uh, there's some great interplay between Thor and Loki over her demise in that movie. And you get none of that in this movie. And nope. it's their father, not o- who's not only their their father, but, you know, the, their lord. He, you know, he's Odin of Asgard, yeah. you know, and they, they've been and they've been by his side for thousands of years, you know, for for a long ass time. It's, uh, it's know, a bigger deal when he dies. It's it should be a bigger deal. I know that this is probably going to sound like I'm trying to be funny or something, but I, I swear I'm not. This this was honestly my thought I swear. when when I realized that, oh, my gosh, they're they're actually going to go there. They're actually going to do away with with Odin was, well, I guess uh, Anthony Hopkins contract is up. That was my thought. Uh, well, Anthony because Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins acting in that scene was kind of like Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> That's he what wasn't, I mean. Yeah, he wasn't bad, but I, I think Anthony Hopkins was probably did the worst acting in this movie. It wasn't bad acting, you know. But well, I, you know, that's actually another one of my notes <laughs> I've got right here is some of the acting. I, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm probably going to get beat up for this. I. I'm going to reemphasize that I really liked Mark Ruffalo's performance as the Hulk. I really didn't like his performance as Bruce Banner. I thought he was phoning that shit in. 
He was, was doing Han Solo out of the carbonite, basically. Maybe that's what it was. May, may, you know? He's been that, gone for two years. He's yeah, been compartmentalized. Maybe that's what it was. But he just seemed off to me somehow. But maybe that's what he was going for, and I just wasn't feeling the vibe or something. But all right, I'll give you, I'll give you that one. But you nailed it with Anthony Hopkins. I, I definitely felt like that was... You know, like he 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 to me in this movie felt kind of like uh, like uh, Alec Guinness in Return of the Jedi. Like, man, I just uh, I really don't want to put in here. He had an easy costume on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, yeah. it did take him long in, in, in makeup to get set up. You know, as he came in and stood, stood by the he ocean spent a day on set. And that was yep, it. He was like, you guys ocean. better get these shots today. Cause I'm, my ass is gone. Yeah. I yep. ain't coming back. He had one, one, one scene out in the, in the, you know, on the, on the, by the ocean side and one scene on by a green screen when he was where he got to be a little bit fun by be, by being Anthony Hopkins playing, um, so Odin played by Loki, but it was a very light and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an especially strong scene. Yeah. It, it, Here's my half-assed theory for the episode. I don't really have anything to base this theory on other than the trailer that we got or teaser or whatever the hell it was that showed the alley scene. But I was actually kind of looking forward to that because, you know, possibly there's people out there that are comic book fans that don't remember this, but at the very tail end of the original run of Thor, because Thor, whether people remember it or not, Thor got canceled right around the time of, oh God, what was the name of that stupid X-Men event where it was like Magneto and Professor X merged into this really stupid 90s supervillain that, that, killed everybody oh god what the hell is the name of that anyway it's not it's it's not important but anyway there was a big you know marvel cosmic thing where where a lot of the heroes died and went off to another earth you know what what they were trying to do is kind of break up marvel a little bit and send a lot of the characters to another earth but keep like the x-men on their basically their own earth to make them make a little more sense you know Anyway, um, a number of books ended for a time, like Avengers got canceled. Um, Captain America got canceled. The Fantastic Four. There was a whole bunch of them. And Thor was one of them. Thor got canceled. But the very last storyline in Thor, I remember it vaguely, you know, it's some of the details of the story. But there was a there was a story element where Odin had gone missing. And Thor eventually tracked him to Earth where he was living as a homeless guy. He, he, something had happened to him. I don't know if it was a spell somebody put him under or what, but he was, he didn't know who he was. And he was basically this just homeless Santa, you know, and that's where Thor found him. And I want to say he found him in an alley. So when some of that imagery clicked in my brain when I, when I saw those early, you know, images of the movie before it came out, that was actually one of the parts I was really looking forward to. And I'm pretty sure that somewhere out there, there was, uh, publicity stills or, I mean, not publicity, so, but, uh, like set pictures, you know, like, like leaked set pictures or released set pictures or whatever, 
that showed Anthony Hopkins in like regular like street people clothes. I'm almost positive of this. I'm tempted to do a quick Google search and look it up. But I thought that might be where they were going, especially with the alley scene and Mjolnir and all that. And what I'm suspecting is some focus group or whatever, you know, decided that that shit wasn't going to play very well. And then they changed it to this weird, you know, Norwegian fjord scene. Right, or right. Because they could have they could have done that. You know? All they everything that Odin said and was communicated would have been even more poignant if they found him in a retirement home. You know, and I mean, right. think of how many people out there that's that that was their parents last. You know, that's where, you know, your parents end up is in a rest home. And that's usually and when they get to the rest home, that's the last place they're ending up. Right. So it's just it's got really poignant and sad um, connotations to it. And they and yeah, it would. I mean, if they'd found Odin in his room, you know, just as a doddering old man, and then he figured, you know, he comes back to some sort of coherence when they get there, and then and then disappears and in, into the, ah. you know, delivers his speech and and disappears into the air. They could have done. They could have not had to, th- that whole Doctor Strange sequence would have been even not necessary at all, you know. I was right. I found the picture. It's right here. If you do a Google search for Anthony Hopkins, Odin, uh, Odin homeless, there's a picture of him where he base he looks more like the all father from, from Kirby's fourth world than he does Odin, but he's, he's in scruffy clothes. He's wearing one of those fingerless gloves. He's got like a dirty bandana around his head and yeah. So something changed. Yeah, there's a lot of footage in the cutting room floor of this. This yeah. has been this has been tampered. Oh yeah. Oh geez. And I'm, yeah, I'm wondering if I'm wondering if uh, that you know, for one, I'm wondering if maybe the the Blu-ray will will have this stuff. But I'm wondering also if that will beef up the picture a little bit. You know what I mean? And and maybe correct, so, you know, those issues. But I, you know. At this point, I think I'm probably getting into more nitpicky stuff, but there were definitely some nitpicks that affected my enjoyment of the movie. So here here we go. This one's a really super tiny nitpick, but it did bug me. Jane Foster. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't give a rat's ass about Jane Foster. I'm glad she's gone. I'm glad she wasn't a part of this movie. However, I think, you know, in fairness... You needed more than just, you know, I actually kind of missed the line. I had to turn to Logan and go, what did that girl just say? So when when Thor and Loki are standing in front of the retirement home, uh, the girls walk up and they I think they ask for a selfie with Thor or an autograph selfie, or something. Yeah. But there's that one girl that says something to Thor. And I didn't quite catch the line, but Logan told me what she said was, sorry, Jane dumped you or something to that effect. And then he just sort of mumbled, I dumped her or something like that. Yeah, that's shit. I mean, really, that's your explanation for where she is, is that they broke up between movies. I mean, that's as bad as... You know, that's as bad as... At least it's not like like James Bond where she's just gone. Switching girl... Well, that's true, but still, (laughs) you know, come on. Um... All right. But like I say, that's minor and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Okay, here's a bigger one. So Heimdall was not working the bridge in this one. And I can understand why there were reasons. However, 
so Thor, at least a couple of times in the movie, calls for the bridge. And eventually he gets the bridge. But if I'm not mistaken, this is my understanding of how this shit works. The, the bridge comes to him because Heimdall can see anywhere. That's his superpower. He's got supervision. And he can see wherever Thor is. So when Thor calls to him, he sees and hears him and he sends the bridge to him. If Heimdall's not working the bridge, how the hell did, uh, what's his name, the executioner know it was time to bring Thor back? And then also, I think... It was like answering the bat phone. It started blinking like the bat phone, basically. I guess. I don't... Well, that's what it did in the movie. It was not accurate to how it was supposed to work before. Oh, shit, you're right. Yes, I thought you were being... No, it started blinking like the bat phone and he heard Thor's... That he heard his voice coming Okay, through. all right. Credit to them. They did cover that. Okay, I didn't put that. You're right. Okay, never mind on that one then. Okay, but, but I don't think that's how it of... worked before, though. That's the thing is I don't think no, that was it how, that, how it was supposed to function, you know? Right. Well, maybe that, you know, to, to, to no prize it, maybe that was put in place so that they could continue to use it after... Right. Well, yeah, that would make sense because Heimdall uh, Heimdall disappeared, but they would still need to use the bridge. So somebody came up with a way that they could still use it and know it was time to call, you know, to to call the bridge because they could call. Right, home. it might have been more. That of makes a, sense. Yeah, don't call us, we'll call you, sort of thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Et phone home, I guess. All right. So I was I was about to mention because there's uh, the other person we see working it is um, uh, Volstag. Now, this goes beyond nitpick, um, minor nitpick. This is a big nitpick for me. The, the deaths of the Warriors 3 were pathetic and pointless. Perfunctory. I'm hoping that, yeah, I'm, you know, I hope that Ray Stevenson got cut a big fat check with a lot of zeros after it for showing up for like three minutes and dying. Well, I mean, what the hell was the, if I was him, I wouldn't even have bothered to show up. I mean, that was pitiful. I mean, he, he's working the bridge, and it's him and Fandral, and Hella shows up and stabs them to death, and that's it. They're, they're on screen for, like, if, if it was even three minutes, I'd be surprised. At least, uh, what's his name, Hogan got a little bit more of a scene, but still, he gets off. So is that really... Here's what I'm I'm thinking is that I'm I'm thinking some of this stuff might be red herring stuff like something's going to happen later on and and maybe kind of push the reset button on some of this stuff. Yeah. Because there was kind of a cumulative effect that started to you know so for example you know I think you could get away with maybe killing off Odin. You might maybe get away with blowing up Asgard. You might maybe get away with taking one of Thor's eyes. You might maybe get away with killing off the Warriors three. But when and the hammer isn't come, back either, and the hammer and Mjolnir. So, but when you compound all of these things in the same story in in a, in a very short span of time, you see where I'm going with this. It, it starts to go so far. Now I realize they're not doing the comics faithfully in these, and I accept that, but. At this point, you've gone so far afield from Thor and, you know, comic book Thor now that that you've lost me. You know what I mean? You, you, you could do a couple of those things, but you've done them all in one movie. And I didn't feel like there was any 
there, you know, you didn't give any of them back by the end of the movie, but also I didn't feel like there was any real promise that you were ever going to give any of them. Cause I really didn't like the thing with him having his little Rocky five moment there, you know, where, where he, he sees, Oh, it really did remind me of Rocky. Have you ever seen Rocky five? Not no, no, I didn't, you a, know, I don't think I have seen Rocky. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> And there's a scene where he has a flashback to. There's to a Mickey. line for the. There's a line for the poster right there. It's a piece of shit, <laughs> Scott Gardner. <laughs> so Rocky is having. Rocky is so far over the hill in this movie, and he's having this street fight with this young kid who's kicking his ass, and he has all of a sudden his his flashback to. Ghost Mickey comes back to talk to him and the ah, use the forest rock and all that shit. And Mickey has aged 30 years despite the Since fact he that died. he died three movies ago. <laughs> and and it's just it's friggin' ridiculous. And they do the same thing in this where Thor has the the Odin flashback and and Odin's like, yeah, oh, well, you know, you you always had the power. It was never the hammer. It was just there for fo-. and I'm like, please don't tell me that we're never getting the hammer back now. Please don't tell me that this is your way of going, "Eh, we don't we don't need the hammer because it's, no, and, no, no, but, no. And it's just a, a watered down not as meaningful moment. It's 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 very much like the, you know, oh, you didn't need the suit, Peter, all the time. You were Spider-Man, right. you know? Right, but it's done so perfunctory. It has no. It doesn't have as any meaning to it. it has no heft it's no to it. Resonance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and it's, there was a lot of moments like that that just they didn't they didn't have the resonance, you know. But I don't know that 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 bothers me. There's there was just you know there were too many of those type of things where okay, now you, you've, you've, you've started to lose me because you're going too far afield of the character. You've changed his personality. He no longer has his hammer. Odin, Odin shouldn't die. You know, I realize that maybe Anthony Hopkins' contract is up. But uh, Anthony just, Ho- that, not to be rude, but Anthony Hopkins, period, his contract's almost up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, they're, yeah. you know, they're, I'm sure they're thinking about that when they're, you know... When it's you know, like, if you can recast Dumbledore, you can recast. Well, Odin that's the thing; it's easier to recast Odin after he's turned into a, 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 a you know, a shower of golden sparks. So, <laughs> so when Odin comes back, Odin could come back as a thirty-year-old guy who's buff as hell. Like, hey, son, want to wrestle? You know, I hope that Odin comes back for a couple of reasons. For one, it just seems wrong for him not to be there. You know what I mean? Unless they're going to go with some like King Thor story, which I, I'd be down for. Are they the go- I, I mean, they're setting it up to be like, I don't know if they've ever done this in the comics, but it's almost like a, a um, Asgardian refugee story, you know, going to take him to Earth. Yeah. And yeah, they have what do you do that. when you have a bunch of Asgardian gods live, you know, wanting to come live on Earth? You know, that's going to be yeah. quite a problem. Yeah, they did. They actually did do something like that in the comics. But I, I think there, there's two big reasons and then they're kind of selfish reasons. But there's two big reasons I'm I'm hoping we haven't seen the last of Thor. I mean, like I said, it, it, it just it feels wrong for one. But here here's what you mean, the thing Odin. We, we definitely haven't seen the last of Thor. Thor, I'm sorry. Odin, yes. Sorry, Odin. Um, is that 
with this movie, now we've had three Thor movies, and it, and it occurs to me, especially with the with just the weak way that he goes out in this movie, that when you take this as a trilogy of movies, Odin, king of the gods, who in some mythological stories actually created humanity and the universe, in the Marvel Cinematic U- Universe, kind of a pussy, you know? In the first yeah. movie, oh, I'm tired. I got to take a no- Odin. Well, nap. that's what I'm. The, you're seeing. You're the seeing movie. the Odin in decline in in these yeah. movies. Yeah, and then in the second movie, it's kind of the same. He kicks a little bit of ass, but then after he kicks ass, he's all tired out. Yeah. And then in this movie, he's just I'm weak, worn out, Odin, and uh, it's time for me to die. Goodbye. Well, you think maybe I mean, that you think seen... maybe they had him die, seeing as how he, they had him as a street person. Maybe they had it filmed a different way. And we're like, uh, it didn't work. Because now that now that we're talking about this, that whole scene on the fjord looks like it might they might not have taken as much time to shoot it. You know, it's like oh, there's a scene where the three of them are standing and the sky is in is they're facing the sky, but the sky is behind them and it is very clearly a bad green screen. Yeah, they're, shot. They're, they did it in front of a green screen and we're like, all right, let's set up a quick shot with Odin in the middle and, and these two sitting on rocks on either side yeah. of him. You know, it's a very simple, quick shot. And that whole scene just plays really, really awkwardly. It, it almost so, yeah, feels like it's... they brought all the actors back and were like, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to do this over again. And yeah. And Anthony Hopkins yeah. is like, okay, let's make it quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something, something changed up there and I'm not sure. I don't, exactly don't want to be in makeup was. for five hours. Like I was when I was homeless <laughs> guy that you're not even going to put in the movie. So come on. Tick tock. <laughs> Well, you nailed it with the executioner. Uh, my note on that was just simply the executioner was completely pointless. I, I understand why he's there for, or why, why he's there though, and it's for one visual. That was a long way to go for one visual, which was him with the machine guns. Yep, they just something because you know, okay, he's doing the right thing, but his character is not developed to that point to where. You really care. You're like, okay, good. This guy's gonna help him, but you know, you don't feel anything for him. And nope. that's funny that you said it because I read all those old Walt Simonson comics, but it was so long ago, I don't remember the story or text of them. I just remember like the artwork and certain scenes. And as soon as I saw him with the two guns, I was like, I recognize that from Walt Simonson. You know what I mean? Yep. And, yeah, that's and that, all it is. It's a Simonson and that was what it was. Of, yeah, yep. it, it 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 didn't have, you know. Yeah, I, I still didn't go like, ah, I know who I remember that character. He did this and this. So he was just such a, and Carl Urban's such a good actor, and he really throws himself into his roles that it was just it was a wasted effort to have him in there. You know, it was almost like the the um, the Matt Damon and the Sam Neill. Um, appearances mm-hmm. in it, just, just you know. There, there they are. Although I like the, I like the Matt Damon, Sam Neill. It, what's you know, what's funny is I didn't even re- realize that was Matt Damon until after the movie when McGregor pointed it out to me. He's like, well, he, I knew it was Matt Damon. Who was Sam Neill? Was he Thor? He was, he was, he was Odin. Oh, okay. Play. I didn't. I didn't catch it. Who was playing Thor in that? I don't know who was playing skit. Thor. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Now that I'm thinking yeah, about it, it probably was somebody 
funny or ironic yeah. or, or but I gotta say when they put the makeup on him Matt Damon did a pretty good look <laughs> visually yeah. anyway but uh yeah, if you do a Google image search for Simonson executioner that's the first thing that comes up is him with a machine gun right 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 because yep. uh, apparently that was the you know the the big end to his his character arc mm-hmm. or his redemptive arc and he gets a redemptive arc in here, but it's so perfunctory and underwritten that it makes me think there's there's scenes missing. I, I have a feeling this movie was shot, re, <laughs> cut, then then recut with some new footage in it or and and tinkered with. You know, I, I get that feeling. It's it's not in a horrible damage way like uh say suicide squad was <laughs> in that respect which you were just like oh my god i can just see a editor in hell right now <laughs> you know basically <laughs> some editor was just like oh god what am i gonna do with this and i got these people breathing down my neck okay i'll get my goal is to make it somewhat make sense that's all and and then and that wasn't with this this was this might have been like ah oh, we didn't like the tone here i don't know we'll we'll find out we'll hear all about it as time goes on and you know um blu-rays come out with cut scenes and stuff we'll learn more about what went on in the production of this movie but there was something going on tonally with the with the production of this yeah i think I, so too i i i although you know i'm looking i'm kind of looking forward to it again seeing it again after this talk to to really hone in on this stuff well you know that that's the thing i've been thinking about this actually uh all day is that maybe i just need to see it again maybe i have a feeling that if we see it again i'll like it a little bit less and you'll like it a little bit more that's kind of what i'm five thinking. years later we'll meet in the middle and and we'll have the exact same level of opinion on it well, the reason I think that for me personally is that that has happened to me a number of times uh, with some of the Marvel movies. The 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 two that uh, that come immediately to mind for me are the first two post Avengers movies because the Avengers left me and I mean hell it left everybody on such a high. I mean I loved that movie, and so See, I I think a lot of the high more. of the and Avengers was enhanced by the fact that they also pulled it off. It was yeah, like, exactly. oh my yeah. God, they got this movie done and they and, and it's it really good. And yeah. so it was such a double punch of awesomeness that it like after that, they're never going to like, we, now we know they can get it done. So after right. that, you're never going to have that second punch of like, oh my God, I believe, I can't believe they actually pulled it off because now we know they can pull it off. So, right. And so the first two after that were, were Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World. And I walked out of both of those movies very, very disappointed. But on subsequent viewings, I have come to really like Thor The Dark World. I still am not really on board with Iron Man 3. I like it more than I did when I initially saw it, but I still think that one's pretty weak. But... I, I do like Thor the Dark World a, a, a lot better than I did walking out of it. I felt much the same way walking out of Thor the Dark World as I felt walking out of this one. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully it will, it will improve for me on subsequent viewings. But 
I got to be honest, my my overall reaction walking out of it was I was incredibly disappointed. And and I'm going to be honest, I was I was bored for a lot of the movie, too. I, I really was. A lot of the humor didn't work for me. A lot of the tone of it didn't work for me. I thought a lot of it was needlessly talky and. I don't know. I'm probably going to get beat up like hell. No, no, because this, that's but... something you just said something that that's something I've noticed. And this this doesn't just apply to this movie. It's a trick that Marvel does. Marvel has a lot more talking and exposition than people. They, they get away with all this. The way they do their movies. It doesn't sometimes well, it, it, it's also your mileage may vary. It's, it depends on how much you're enjoying the movie at the time, whether you notice how much exposition there is, you know. Right. But it always seems, after I see one of these movies, like there's less exposition than there actually was. And then watching it again, it's like, oh, they spend a good, there's a good amount of time without action in it. And I think the way they, they get away with that in most of the other movies, more than they, what. Well, what why they didn't get away with it in this movie is because even that exposition is put into an emotional context you know there's something emotional going on with the characters like um good example is uh, ant-man ant-man doesn't have a huge amount of action in it it has its set pieces and its stuff happening but there's a lot of like family drama in it but right. they got appealing actors. It's well-written family drama. It's not groundbreaking family drama. It's pretty standard. But they put a little extra into it and get you involved in it. And this didn't have that aspect in it. So mm -hmm. all the talking was not followed up by any emotional resonance with it, you know? With with the tear right. at the end when, when Odin goes or when he shows up again or when Asgard goes down, you know? You don't feel that in in this, and I think that's the big, the bit the if if you know I I, I don't want to say the big failing of this movie because I don't think it's a failure of a movie, um, but it's the 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 main sticking point with me for this movie, and and if if you're gonna have the dramatic stuff in there and it's not gonna feel dramatic and get rid of it, make it all a farce, you know? Right. Then and make it and make it twenty minutes shorter, and uh, I I did, I felt it went a little long, but I was never bored during it. I was I I I was a lot of the jokes were catching on me, and the ones that weren't just went went by. So, and and you know me, I like weird stuff, and like Rock Guy, <laughs> I can't remember the character's name, but the Rock Guy, who was voiced by the director was a great just yeah. offbeat thing thrown in there. And when you start throwing stuff in there and Jeff Goldblum's weird little ticks were were really amusing the hell out of me. Rock guy whenever Rock Guy showed up, I don't know, he reminded me of when I was in college and there were big dumb jocks who didn't know what they who they were or what they were doing, but they were just generally good natured. But at the same time they could be really stupid and dangerous. But at the same time, just sort of good-natured, and that was this guy, just uh, out-of-nowhere character. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know where I'm... I'm still giving it a... I, I still give it an enthusiastic thumbs-up, but, you know... And, and 
I guess in Marvel movies it rates low. In normal movie, in normal superhero movies, it's a really good one. But as as a Marvel goes, it's. <laughs> Mar- but what the hell it's not the best. It's not <laughs> the greatest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just Did like they ever Star explain Wars. How the Hulk got to the planet? Because I, I got the is. impression when he was flying off. What? Which? Which movie was he flying off at the end? Where he takes the ship and flies off Age at the of, end? Age of Ultron. Uh, uh, Age of Ultron. He flew into space, and somehow uh, uh, they had that one scene where they were looking at a shot from a monitor of the Hulk, like, holding on to the spaceship as, like, he was being blown out into, into space. And I think that was supposed to be him getting sucked into, I don't know if it was specifically the Devil's Anus, but one of those sort of, like, violent time warp things that they had. So I, I got the feeling that he was flying randomly or whatever and and just got sucked into that world that's sort of the shorthand i got but it was all i also got the sort of like i eh, don't ask too many questions <laughs> right with with that point you know or you know we may may find out later but i don't know but the timeline is weird with marvel movies too so i'm not sure i'm i i have to assume that's the only sort of tag end of the Hulk in anything else that that would lead him here was flying, and it was in a it was in a Quinjet or whatever the mm-hmm. is that what they are Quinjets Quinjets. So yeah, yeah, so I gotta assume that's that's what it was. It I, I I'm assuming it was just a total random luck, good luck, bad luck. Well, it's good luck for the Hulk. He was obviously enjoying himself. Bad luck for David Banner or for Bruce Banner. <laughs> I'll ne- I'll 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 never get used to Bruce Banner, even though it's the original. I always want to say David Banner, <laughs> right? As my first Hulk. Well, it's funny because on in the credits, and I remember reading this somewhere also that Mark Mothersbaugh in his score incorporated the Lonely Man theme from the TV show. I didn't hear I, it. If it's on the album. I can't find it. And I listened for it in the movie and also didn't hear it. So I'm wondering if it's played like at a different tempo or with different instruments or something. I don't know. I'm used to hearing it. If it's going to be any good, if it's going to mean anything, it would have to be, there would have to be a visual going along with it. You know, you would have to have at least, was there a scene with the Hulk sad in this at all? I don't think so. You yeah, would have, I mean, you when, would have had to have it go Thor along with the Hulk being sad. There. Yeah, but you would have had yeah. to, you would have had to been like Hulk broke like his favorite toy or something, and just was like oh, and then dun 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 dun. That would have been funny, you know. Right. But uh, or even better if they had to for some reason hitchhike, <laughs> would have been great. Right. That would have been that would have been a great like if in if if it ended differently with the Hulk being stranded somewhere. And then the post credit scene would have been great. Having the Hulk standing somewhere with his thumb out and the music playing would have been awesome or, or Bruce Banner for that matter. I think it would have been funnier (laughs) with the Hulk. What's funny is I've heard a lot of, a lot of, uh, talk that 
people are thinking that the ending of this movie doesn't mesh with the teaser trailer that they played at, at Comic-Con. Now, I haven't seen that, but I've, I've read the description of it that essentially Thor hits the, the windshield of the Guardian ship. You know, like, like they find him floating out in space, essentially, and that's how the Guardians are going to get sucked into Infinity War. Well, that ship that they they come across in the post credit scene, I think it's in the, yeah, it's in the first, the, the mid-credit scene. Right. That is Thanos' ship. So I don't know why people are thinking that 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 doesn't jibe with this other footage or whatever. I can see that it easily does. Yeah. Oh no, that that's just a little bit in the future. Because <laughs> cause you mm-hmm. know Loki grabbed the whatchamacallit, the Tesseract probably, mm-hmm. and is going to you know that's why that's why they had the whole. I think that's why they had the whole line where. They're going to Earth, and he goes, I probably shouldn't go to Earth, should I? You know? And right. he probably isn't going to. He's probably going to do some deal with Thanos and then, then run off or or get something, you know, get himself a planet or something. But I love that line, though. I, I probably shouldn't go to Earth because it, so, it says so much. It was like he was earnest about it because they were having their real brotherly moment. But at the same time, he was acknowledging, I'm Loki, and by nature, <laughs> if I go to Earth, I'm going to have to do something. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the way it is. I'm hoping that there's something more. Go- As you say, I, I hope it plays into Infinity War and all that, because I was getting a little tired of Loki by this one. I, I didn't... Well, I don't want to say he was pointless in this, but... I was getting kind of tired of Loki by the last one. Because right. it, it seemed like they were working. And I'm glad this movie didn't follow the... Because the, we've had the Loki pattern for three movies now, right? The it, it, that's Yeah, that's kind of my point. Is I, I know you're, you, you said you've only seen Dark World the one time, but when you watch it again, well, I remember that, that they just did the same exactly thing. Exactly the same beats. Yeah, exactly. It, the same, the same, same beats. beats. And then and then he was the baddie in in Avengers, right? So, and he mm-hmm. and it's it's the same sort of thing. Loki friend, Loki enemy. Loki has to sort of you know redeem himself at the end, but not quite. You know, it's the same. It's the same arc every time, and I like this one. Loki didn't end up, you know, screwing everybody over at the end. You know, he actually, you know, he had that line where Thor's like, I'd hug you if I thought you were really here. And he's like, I'm, I'm right here, you know. But he said it, you know, it was, it was just a nice little moment. But I, and then I was like, oh, okay, I'm glad they're not going to just, like, do this every time because it was getting the back to the incredible hulk tv show where it was the same arc every time Vader mm-hmm. blows into town meets some nice people bad people are bothering the nice people Vader doesn't want to get involved the hulk yeah more <laughs> more thing the hulk again Vader leaves town every time you know the dukes everything like that so i was like all right we need a variation in this and at least they 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 ended it off on a on a different note than they usually did so that's that's that was that was a good thing at the same time yeah i'm sick of loki 
He's okay, but I think I think Loki is 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 kind of like Wolver like Hugh Jackman and and Wolverine in X Men movies. It's like there's a certain number there's a certain number of people, a lot of them lady folks who are. Yeah, I was just gonna say want to yeah, have that. For the ladies. They yeah. they want that. They 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 love him. They love the actor and they love the character. So. It's it's just he I think he's just baked into Thor movies from now on. You didn't like it as much as I, but would you still recommend it, or just not enthusiastically well, yes. recommend it, or do you have, or is I it like certain yeah, people? Do you think it's not gonna appeal to? It, I I think there's a chance that it, it may, you know, if if there's other people out there that are invested. Well, Gene, you know, Gene is uh, one guy who I'd I'd like to see how he, yeah, how he uh, falls on this because he's definitely uh, invested. Yeah, there's there's some folks I, I'd like to to see what their reactions are. The, you know, they're starting to trickle in. I'm seeing, you know, as my other friends are are seeing the movie, you know, seeing the reactions to it. It's not universal that everybody likes it. You know, I, there, I have seen some other right. criticisms. So yes, it'll be interesting. While you saying that that you were disappointed in it on Facebook has brought out a couple people who are like, <laughs> pardon me. I am so glad I'm not the only one who felt that. You know, right. So. So a lot of times when all of a sudden there's just tons glowing praises being, you know, heaped onto something, people don't feel as comfortable saying like, eh, I don't know, it's not the greatest thing. I finally saw a, a video of somebody reviewing the new um, Blade Runner movie and they were just like, it was shit. <laughs> I hated <laughs> it. It was terrible. I don't know what everybody's thinking. And it was so refreshing to see that. Although I loved the movie, I thought I agree with the positive reviews of the movie. It was so good to see. That. And you could tell, though, he had to psych himself up to do it. And he was a little defensive. You know what I mean? He was a little like, "I don't care what anybody says. I know you're gonna, you know, you're gonna hate me for this and think I'm crazy. But this is, you know, what? And, and it's just like, yeah, go for it, dude." <laughs> You know, and and he wasn't doing it. You know, and when when things like this get huge praise, there's always that one reviewer is like, "I'm going to give it a zero star review." So my, so everybody reads my review to see why they didn't like it. But right, um, yeah. Well, I, I I haven't gone to Rotten Tomatoes yet, but I'll bet you there's a. Uh, I I I think these movies always, um, also rate higher with reviewers because. The majority of reviewers aren't readers of the comics. They're just viewing it totally on like I'm just Joe, especially reviewers because they probably wouldn't go to see it if they weren't a reviewer. You know, a lot of them. So you know they're just going in cold and and like they have a bit of the history because they've been watch reviewing all the Marvel movies, but they're not really like paying attention to it like we do to make sure this is right. right or that is right. So they're just looking at it as a movie, which is funny to me because I would think the reviewers would be like more like, Oh, this movie is totally all over the place and stuff like that. But yeah, you, you never know. It, it, <laughs> I think it psyched me out. I think all the good reviews, and I actually heard a radio ad for this that said, this is the best-reviewed Marvel movie ever. And I was yeah, just like, that's oh, what they're geez. saying. 
And I'm just like... That oh. is what they're saying. And I've I'm, and I'm heard like, that a number of times. I wish they just wouldn't say that, though. If it's the best review... I, when they say this is the best reviewed Marvel movie, it almost sounds like they're trying too hard. It's like, don't say it. Everybody, If it's so well-reviewed, everybody knows it already. You know, you don't have to... You don't have to like prop it up, you know what I mean? Right. It's it's just like go enjoy the movie that everybody's enjoying or something like that, you know. So that that set off a few of my alarm bells uh, going into it, but I enjoyed it a lot, but it was definitely down a notch or two from my expectations. So maybe I think ultimately that's that was the thing for me is I just I had crazy high expectations for this and it Unfortunately, it just couldn't meet them. But all of that said, I didn't hate the movie. I just, I didn't, I didn't love it. You know, I didn't, and I expected, that was the thing. I expected to love it and, and did yeah. not. So that's ultimately, uh, you know, that's ultimately my, my biggest review. You know, the biggest thing I can say is that does it go I, into, I wanted does it go, to. And, does it go into and, bad movie though? Would you say oh, that's a bad no, movie? No, no, I mean. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing I, I put up on Facebook today, uh, you know, I, I the, the the last two words of it was kind of sucked. And that might be a little bit harsh, but that's that was that was ultimately kind of how I felt. That's walking how you out. were was feeling. Like, well, that yeah. kind of sucked, you know, but it, it sucked versus my expectations, you know, and that's the thing that's that's difficult sometimes in that uh, that. I, you know, I personally struggle with sometimes with with movies is that I have my expectations of, of certain things I want to see and, and whatever. And when those aren't met, that's typically the, the reaction was, well, that sucks. And it, but it, I mean, it's not that necessarily the, the movie sucked is that it, it sucks that my expectations weren't met or that they're not going in in particular directions, you know something I meant to mention before we were talking about Odin, you know, the, the other big thing with Odin for me was that I was, I'm really, I was really hoping that when we get the actual, what I'm expecting is going to happen with Thanos is that the first movie, the, the infinity war movie is going to be Thanos kicking everybody's ass. Because I'm really hoping they do this smart. I'm hoping that they do it as a two-part story. See, that's like, the stuff that old, I worry old about. Old-school comic book style to where the first movie is the villain triumphs and then the second movie is the heroes rally and defeat the villain. But what I want to see is that the heroes can't do it alone and that we really have to pull in the universe right to defeat everything Thanos. Yes. And one of the things I was really hoping to see in some aspect was Odin stepping up. And if he's really, if, if Anthony Hopkins is really done and Thor, or excuse me. Oh, I keep saying Thor Odin, the character is really done. Then we're never going to get that. Now, that's unfair, I, I understand, to dump that on this movie. But it's, you know, this is the movie that that character dies. So that's one of the things I'm saying when I say it kind of sucked. Well, it kind of sucks that that's never going to happen now, apparently. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. So did I think the movie sucked? No. And there was a lot I really did enjoy about it. And I, and I hope I was uh, good enough about pointing out the things I really liked. It's just... 
there was a lot of stuff I didn't like, primarily being the tone and and then I didn't even complete, you know, my my notes on all the nitpicks because there was a lot of them. There's just a lot of nitpicky shit that, you know, they may be nitpicks, but it's, you know, it's that it's they that, you know, they add up. It's that brick in the wall thing. You know, uh, eventually they add up. And there were there were a lot of them. There's a lot of shit that's not explained properly. There's a lot of stuff that just irritated me. And, and the thing with the Warriors three, I'm really hoping that that's just a red herring that. You know, I, I've heard a lot of speculation that we're going to see a lot of death via Thanos, you know, in Infinity War. But by the nature of both who he is, the powers that he's going to have, and then if they bring in the whole courting death thing, that there's a possibility that, yes, we'll see death, but we'll probably also see rebirth or resurrections or something like that. So I'm hoping the whole thing with the Warriors 3 is exactly that. They died these chump Boba Fett deaths in this movie, but we're going to get them back in a later movie because of, you know, you defeat Thanos and, you know, everything comes back kind of, I don't know. You but see, if, I, if, I worry ahead. about the Thanos Infinity Wars more than anything with this as being where it might lose me because it feels like it's the they're they're building towards a bo- the boss battle part of the whole thing right. where everything comes to the and that's always my least favorite part of almost every superhero movie not everyone there's some that that were you know at the end of the boss battle I was like that was different or really good or whatever but usually in the Marvel movies, especially, it's the most anticlimactic part to the movie. It's it's almost never my favorite part of the movie. You know, I I usually like the character moment, uh, some character moments better. But uh, but it's like because you know, just like all right, by the end, the bad guy and the good guy are gonna have to have a fight, and you know, and the good guys. But you said have you to liked win. the Avengers, though. I did, and they and they pulled it off, but the the. And, and and the thing about that is that got a lot of extra play because that boss battle was the first time you got to see the team working in action and you were just in the, you know, through that whole boss battle, I was more just in enjoyment of here they are finally doing their thing, you know, and oh yeah, chuck the Hulk, Hulk at that wall and you know and let's let's get moving on it and everybody's like you know finding their groove and cooperating and stuff like that it had a lot more resonance to it and i'm not saying i don't like the boss battles in the movies but they're just not my favorite part of the movie they're my least favorite part oh, of the movie i can movie. understand that and but so I, I think that there's potential for infinity war to to basically do the avengers thing again and make it almost like it was the first time, you know, almost as fresh as that first time, because right. granted the Avengers have now been assembled, but now, you know, what, what's bigger than that? I'm well, not, I'm not going to let you talk me out of it, man, because I'd rather go <laughs> and hope I'd rather no, go I'm, in thinking that like, Oh Jesus, this is where it's going to jump the shark and then get like, cause that's how I felt about Avengers to be honest too. Like, I was like, I'm digging all these movies, but I really feel Avengers is probably going to be, like, the cheesy one of these where they, you know, where they try too hard or whatever, 
And then when they struck that perfect balance, it was, I mean, in the movie theater, watching that for the first time was just sheer bliss, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah. yes, they did not fail me. And this would be the most, most liable to fail movie of all of them. So, so yeah, maybe they will, you know, maybe they will uh, pull off Infinity War. The thing is, also, that's also a storyline I'm not familiar with. And that I, in my mind, I'm sort of hostile towards because it sort of has that whole nine. It was right. That was one of those '90s stories, right? Like '90s um, era. Or was if, it? If it is a nine, I'm trying to remember. If it is a '90s, it when when, it when did the when did I live with you in Rochester? Oh, that when had was to that? be. That had to be. Well, that was after I got back from Minnesota. That had to be like '91, '92. Yeah, so that's when it was out. Because I was okay. I, I, yeah, because yeah, that was a time period where I was time. like, ah, I wasn't into any. I I was basically like, ah, all these modern these comics nowadays are just seeming to be like money, you know, like cashing in on the whole collectors thing. So Infinity Wars sounded like just another, you know, like okay, we've got this great big event where everybody fights. So I'm I'm like more cynical to it because of 92 total, according it, to what i'm looking at to, here you know my it's my 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 skepticism is based upon total ignorance and bias just to be perfectly clear <laughs> i i know nothing about the whole infinity wars thing i just remember being against that sort of thing as a concept at the time so well the the 90s <laughs> This is going to sound like a weird thing to say, but the 90s hadn't happened yet right. in, in that way that everybody remembers right, right. about 90s comics. It hadn't happened yet when Infinity Gauntlet was out. Yeah. Now, was... I haven't read it in total since it was published. I started reading it a while ago, several months ago now, um, and I was reading it. So when I read it initially... I was not invested in the Marvel universe at that time, as far as like, you know, right. the, the full spectrum, you know, and everything. Cause I didn't know this at the time, but infinity gauntlet was something that was built up to over time through mostly through the silver surfer title that was going at the time. And I think a couple of other books, I only read it as what it, came out as infinity gauntlet it was a six issue mini i read it as the six issue mini and that's all i ever read and thank god it was enough that you could follow it but there were crossover titles or titles that were affected by it you know so they also had the the banner on them you know in, infinite uh, infinity gauntlet crossover I never read all those at the time. So when I started to read this a couple of months ago, I thought, all right, for the first time, I'm going to read everything that is this massive story. And I got about three quarters through it and was so just overwhelmed by all of it that I don't want to say bored, but it, it was overwhelming. And I, I slacked off and I never did finish it. If I if I go back to read it or go back to finish it now, I'm going to do it the same way I did originally. I'm just going to read the six issues. Yeah. So yeah. the six the, the six issue proper is a damn good story. It's Jim Starlin. And you know Jim Starlin. Yeah. He's a great writer. He's, you know, he's, he's uh, 
you know, at a time when I was not at all invested in Marvel cosmic stuff, he was the one guy that if he wrote Marvel cosmic stuff, it was worth reading. I didn't stick my nose up. Yeah. You know, whereas any of the other Marvel cosmic, I just didn't give a shit. You know, I just wasn't interested, but he usually made it pretty palatable. And that story was good because it wasn't just cosmic. Yeah, it was a cosmic origin and it had a lot of cosmic elements and, Thanos is a cosmic character, but it touched enough of the, you know, the grounded Earth stuff of the Marvel Universe, you know, the Avengers and Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and all of that, that it gave me kind of a, a, a touchstone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I only remember it in the broad strokes now, but I can tell you, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good story. And one of the things that helped was that um, George Perez did the art on it. So it has a very crisis on infinite earths. Yeah. Feel. Yeah. And you know, and you know, Perez just, you know, because of having worked on so much Marvel stuff over the years, it, his, his visual style just kind of helps. Yeah. It, it's almost has like a calming effect. Like, yes. you know, don't, don't panic. This is familiar. Even if it's not, you know what I mean? By the feel of it. Yeah. So I just remember really enjoying it. So I'm looking forward to it on that level, but you know, so far, I haven't found to where I think you actually have to be familiar with the source material because each they're time gonna, they're going to make sure that you don't out. have to be. And if you are right. familiar with it, you're just only going to see parts of it in that story anyway, because the right. way they de- the way they developed it and set it up now, I, I have to assume is nothing like it was developed and set up in the, there you the go. Marvel comics by now. Yep. That that's what I you know the the few things and I'm trying to remember what they are off the top of my head but the few well you know Planet Hulk's a perfect example right but the few times I have actually sought out the story that they were going to cover in one of these movies because I wasn't terribly familiar with it inevitably they've they've taken either just the name of that event or the basic, like a very basic idea of what that event was. And, and then maybe they just a couple lines of dialogue and some scenes. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Captain, you know, Captain America civil war is a great example because, you know, there's, there's very little from that other than a couple of, you know, poster images, I'll say for lack of a better term, you know, like Captain America right. putting up his shield in front of him and, and Iron Man's, blasting him point blank that's a poster image from that but beyond that there's very little of the comic book civil war in the movie civil war and that's actually a really good thing so i don't think you know what i'm trying to say is i don't think you have to feel the need to run right out and read uh infinity gauntlet or or anything to to develop any sense of being up to speed for these. I think the movies have given us what we need and are going to continue to give us what we need. I I think it will. I think they'll do what they've been doing and they'll make it work from whatever level you walk into it. You might have to struggle a little bit. If you've never seen anything before you walk into the infinity war movie, but you would probably still be able to get the gist of it by the end of the movie and if you're just a casual movie goer that just goes to see all the marvel movies once and doesn't dwell on them you'll still you know you'll go like oh yeah oh yeah okay or i don't really remember that but they just explained it enough there to 
to pick it up. And if you're steeped in it, you, you know, you're going to be rewarded. You know, the more you're steeped in it, the more there's going to be to pick out of it. But if you're not steeped in it, they're going to make it so that, you know, you're going to get through it and enjoy it. I have a feeling, and again, I, I, I have no evidence of this whatsoever. It's just a gut feeling. But I have a feeling that if they're going to take anything from the comic book Thanos stuff, that they're actually not going to take so much from, say, Infinity Gauntlet or it's any of the, the other past. Infinities. Is Yeah, there was a, a – essentially it was a two-part story. It, one of the parts of the stories happens in an Avengers annual, and then the other part of the story happens in – I think it was a Marvel 2-in-1 annual, I think – where it's essentially it's the Avengers, it was uh, the Thing, Spider-Man, I think Captain Marvel was in it, you know, a couple other characters. But it was, it was essentially the, you know, not the entire Marvel Universe, but a lot of the Marvel Universe characters up against Thanos. And it's kind of the ending of that story. There's there's a, an iconic image of the defeat of Thanos that I'm hoping and that's praying where, that's, that's where, you think where he going. winds up. And I, I hope so, because it, it it was such an such an iconic image for for people that remember that story, you know. And up until Infinity Gauntlet, that was kind of where Thanos was left, you know, for a long time. And that would be kind of cool, you know, if, if they intend to use him for for these you know, for this movie and, and possibly for Avengers four, you know, being the, the resolution and then move on from that character. I think that'd be a nice way to do it, you know, as yeah. an homage to his, his comic book roots for him to wind up basically the well, same way he winds up in that story. So we'll, we'll see. Definitely we'll see not outside the realm of, of possibility with the way that they do it. So, right. That it reminds me, there was uh, one other thing, uh, I had a note on which was I thought now granted it could it could still happen I I guess but I was left with the impression that what what do you think happened to Hela is she dead um, was she sent back to hell probably you know, what, sent what back whole... to probably, I I I'm guessing she's probably not dead because she doesn't draw her life from Asgard she was drawing power from Asgard. Right. And and it, I got the impression that she couldn't do it while Odin was alive and and there. So she's yeah, I, she probably is back to where she was at the beginning of the movie more or less cuz we did not see her like definitively like kick the bucket. The rabbit did not kick the bucket. <laughs> so, I guess theoretically they could still do this down the road, but I thought it would have been a, a much better way to sneak Thanos in, like, like kind of finally make him tie into all this shit rather than just have it be yet another post credit sequence where, so Thanos's whole, whole deal. If you remember the very end of the Avengers, his, whatever that, that freaky minion of his was supposed to be the, the one that, that was his representative essentially right, right um is talking to him at the very end of the avengers it was a post credit scene that revealed thanos and he says 
you know, he's talking about humans and the fact that they've just been defeated by the humans. And he says uh, to challenge, I think he says challenge is the word he uses. Challenge them is to court death. And then that's when we finally see Thanos for the first time. He turns, you know, he turns to us, the viewer, and, and has that creepy smile. Well, that's Thanos's Thanos's whole deal is that he worships death. Right. So in the in the Marvel universe, death is an actual person. It's an actually there there is a personification right. of death who is who is Lady Death, and he that's his lover, or, or at least the the woman that he wants to win the affections of. Well, here in this movie, we had the goddess of death. We had Hela. Right. And so... I thought that would have been perfect to somehow tie all that together that he's trying to woo her or maybe he would meet her in this although again I think the ending of the Avengers hints that he's already doing that you know by that smile that he gives he's already courting death or intends to to court death or something to that effect so I thought they kind of missed an opportunity here you know to to tie all that up because here we have not necessarily the personification of death, but you know, the obviously the goddess of death, and she builds herself that way. I thought, there you go. Yeah, you we could we could have had a post credit scene of them having a date or something. Yeah, you know, or or him. <laughs> well, you know, you 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 say that, but I mean that that kind of well, on I'm that thinking, on you know, their version of a to date. Her rescue, or, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, exactly, exactly. You know. Yeah. But I was and, I was picturing him in a restaurant, like awkwardly, like <laughs> Denny's, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I read your profile online. Uh, <laughs> we need a booth. <laughs> Do you have any gluten-free options? <laughs> uh, restless bowel syndrome. shop at amazon.com please consider using the link at two truefreaks.com to shop there if you use this link to go to amazon and then you shop two true freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra so you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time visit our website at two truefreaks.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o-t-r-u-e F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 
Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Where have you been, Lord, friendly, my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. Hey, hey!